is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. As we launch here into another week of fun and excitement on the program, lots to talk about tonight. Uh, Coming up, Gardner, you're going to tell us about some emergency uh, camps, Mm. which Mm. it's not going to be like camping in the woods. No, no, not Probably not fun. We'll get to those uh, details, but first, some breaking news from here in New Hampshire. The activist uh, community, if you've listened to the show before, you know that Mark and I moved here a few years back as part of the Free State Project, a movement of thousands of liberty-oriented people all moving to New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom. And a lot of people in the Free State Project are active in the political realm, and that's great. I'm sure there's some advances that will be happening there, and indeed the uh, folks over at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance have done a pretty swell job so far. So, you know, we certainly bring you that news, but also like to bring the news from the outside-the-system activists here in New Hampshire as to what they are doing. Uh, as you may know, recently we had a marijuana protest protest uh, that went off uh, and that's not what I wanted to cover tonight, but just as an example of some of the stuff that go on here, I'm a little loopy tonight because I've been up all, since 6.30 this morning. And the reason I got up so early was because uh, we had a, a little group traveling out of the Keene area to go to Milford, New Hampshire, where there was to be a hearing for Mike Barsky who was arrested over the weekend on a number of charges, one of them being failure to appear. So he'd been pulled over. Uh, he had been pulled over, and there was a, like an open container in the car. He had a loaded firearm. Passenger had an open container. And so he got a couple charges on that. Doesn't sound good. And then he didn't show up to the, uh, he didn't show up to the arraignment for those charges. So they issued a warrant for his arrest for a failure to appear, and it was over the weekend. He was coming home from a, a party with some liberty activists driving home, and they picked him up at that point. So he went into jail, and then it was this morning that he had the arraignment on essentially something like uh, six charges mm. or, or something like that. Mm. And so that's why uh, many of the activists and I were out there this morning to uh, to be there to support Mike. It's good uh, you guys in this go because, down. because the fact is, even though the even though Mike has something like six charges against him, not a single one of those charges involves any sort of victim. Uh, we're talking about speeding, open container, gun with no concealed carry license not showing up for court, expired registration, and no New Hampshire driver's license. So, you know, this is a very interesting situation where obviously what what comes into play here is a state, in the generic sense, ownership of the roads. And uh, it it shows us just how far we, uh, or Americans and many people in many societies, many countries, have deviated from the concept of real harm being the only thing that should bring you into a courtroom, a real tort. I've mentioned, you know, being here with you guys before, that the state has no stake, it has no claim for harm, because the state is an abstract entity. It's a fantasy. Yeah, exactly. It's composed of individuals. Supposedly, according to British common law, the only times you're supposed to be able to go into court are when you have a claim of damages against someone else. If Mm -hmm. you have been robbed or defrauded or something like that, then you can head on in. Um, So in this instance, because the state in the abstract owns the roads, they can make preemptory laws about how you shall operate on those roads. And if you break those codes, then they will bring you to court. It is. 
I think, undermines the very concept of why courts were made, which was to resolve conflicts between people, not to act as a mechanism of coercion against people who have basically no other choice than to drive on the roads that the state has usurped and taken over. And that's basically what they do 99% of the time. There's the occasional two-person trial. Now, at first blush, Ian, you've got these infractions, and you say, hey, you know what, man? I don't want a guy like that driving on my roads. But they're not just your roads. They're also his roads. They're everybody's mm-hmm. roads now because everybody has to pay for the stinking roads. For goodness sake, uh, isn't Milford one of these uh, Main Street communities? They got money from the federal government, for goodness sake, to help improve their Main Street. You know, uh, Wilton did as well in, this, in, in New Hampshire. So everybody is paying in some way. So he has a stake to be able to run on the roads the way he wants to. Unfortunately, he can't. Now, if these were private roads... Maybe there would have been a road system for him to drive on with open containers and things like that. Either way, he's forced to drive on these roads. Mm-hmm. The state has taken them over. These these roads originally around the United States, roads weren't built by governments. They were built by people who well, came up with their own rules. I, I don't think driving with an open container is the greatest idea in the world. I mean, Certainly I, I can't not. say that. Uh, I, I can't say that. Uh, you know, I think I consider it dangerous, and that's the part that bothers me. Why is he in jail if he hasn't hurt anyone? Isn't that the idea of jails to separate you from society because you're dangerous to other people? It's a, it's a tricky question, though, because you have people who've been busted for drunk driving. They haven't hurt anyone, but they certainly pose a greater risk statistically on the road. So in the abstract, and they pose a greater up, risk. He didn't show up for a trial And, and, and that gets you into the secondary and thing of not accused, acknowledging the, the, the power of the state over him. That's a, that's a major that's issue a here, obviously. Thing, and right. nobody has accused Mike Barsky of being drunk. No, no. one has accused him of right. that. So, uh, just want to talk a little bit about who Mike is. Uh, I think he probably has called this show at least a couple times in the past. I don't know. I don't remember him having called. But, but he's uh, really a great activist here in New Hampshire. He's one of the newer activists, moved in in 2008. And you will see Mike Barsky, well, when he's not in a jail cell, you'll see him at almost anything that's yeah. going on. I mean, he, he will drive across the state for virtually any sort of event, any kind of uh, activist act, uh, opportunity. He is really uh, quite a go-to guy when he's got something that he's taken responsibility for. He steps up and he gets the job done in, in a really effective fashion. Yeah. Uh, he was the gentleman who organized the most recent Freedom Fest here in the Keene area and just did a bang-up job better than I ever did because I'd organized one of them in the, in the past and I, mine paled in comparison <laughs> to his. And, of course, actually, as an aside, the city of Keene, New Hampshire, is actually after him for organizing Freedom Fest. That's right. So, so he's actually got to show up in the city of Keene's court coming up on, I think, the uh, the third of March. So that's after some of the, 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 this other stuff has uh, has occurred that they went after him. So the state is all over the place after Mike Barsky, and that's why we need to get behind him to show our support for this great activist. He- head over to jailedactivist.info if you want to learn more about Mike. Uh, if you want to find out what his address is at the at the the Valley Street Jail. Uh, or excuse me, it says it's Willow Street, but anyway, it's the Manchester Jail here. Yeah, the yeah. address is there. Uh, there's a phone number there. You can call the jail. You can call the district. Uh, contact the district district court. Uh, all the details are at jailedactivist.info. Plus, Mike Barsky is also the man that came up with mail-to-jail.com, uh, and it's it's a great little website that allows somebody to uh, just go and type their their message, type a letter and then send it through this website. It is then printed out. Well, it was printed by Mike. Now he's in jail, so obviously he can't do this. But Mike would take the the letters from people, print them out, actually 
physically put them in envelopes, put his own stamps on there, and mail them to the person who's in jail. So it's kind uh-huh. of like a, a go-between to allow you to send mail to a jailed activist like myself or Lauren Canario or Russell Canning, somebody who was already in jail who's not currently. Right. But Mike would essentially take your messages. He was using his own money for the stamps and was using and, and then providing the service of actually printing, folding, stuffing them in envelopes and sending them to the individual who was in the jail cell. He was taking donations for that too. He is taking yeah, donations. Cool. And in fact, I sent, yeah. sent a $25 donation to mail-jail, uh, mail-to-jail.com uh, the other night just to support this because I think it's a great idea and he did uh, put somebody in charge of the website in yeah. his absence so mail to jail is active right now and you you can actually use it to send mail to Mike Barsky if you would like you know I'm glad you bring this up uh, right at the start Ian because uh, I think for people who are new to listening to the program or you know visiting websites of real freedom lovers people who really look at the roots of the conflict between the free individual and all of the things that have been piled upon him over the years that people just accept because out of tradition they don't know that anything operated in any different way. When they see a story about a guy, if they read the Milford Cabinet, which is the Milford newspaper in the area, or they Mm -hmm. read the New Hampshire Union Leader or whatever, and they see the story about Mike... Um, they'll say, oh, well, another guy busted doing something something that you know sounds dangerous on the roads. But it, it, it opens an opportunity for people to start to look at the way things operate and say, oh, is he really harming anyone? If this were Disney World and he were pulled over on a Disney parking lot with that stuff and they didn't allow it, and they say, hey, we don't want you coming back, I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. But it's a different deal when you get the state involved. Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. But I didn't even get to what happened at the trial today or the hearing. We'll get to that next. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free. So enjoy those on us. And those features include the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Also, I want to tell you about the Liberty Forum. It's coming up in early March, and we're going to be there. All of us are yeah. going to be there. Oh, man. Are you going to be doing some emceeing this year? We're going to be doing some emceeing, and it it's I've got a message from Chris, and we're, uh, he talked to me about possibly speaking. So I would oh, just cool. love it. I've got something all set on. Oh man, I just love getting it. It's just the best. It's thing. It's a good time. It's it so really much, is. A I good can't time. even express it. I'm, I might be speaking. Blah blah blah. Duh. It, it's going to be the third one. <laughs> 2009 Liberty Forum happening first weekend in March in Nashua, New Hampshire, the beautiful Crown Plaza Hotel. Uh, it's March 5th through the 8th. And uh, we're going to be there broadcasting live as we did last year. So not only will you get to meet the guard dog, uh, you'll also get to meet uh, the rest of Free Talk Live. Uh, Plus, you'll get to meet really big names like Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as WWE's Kane. Or perhaps you've heard of Dr. Mary Ruart by listening to this show and listening to us just fawn over her book, Healing Our World. She will be there speaking. Uh, So many people. uh, Richard Heller from the Heller vs. D.C. gun case over 2008. Huge uh, Supreme Court case. Uh, Richard Heller is a free stater. He's going to be moving here to New Hampshire. Glenn Jacobs, also a free stater, already purchased a home in New Hampshire. So a lot of these people that are going to be speaking there are already free staters. um, And and they're there talking and giving speeches and panel discussions and there are also of course going to be networking opportunities, luncheons, dinners, and all there's kinds a bowling of alley right down the street. 
Is, is there really? So? Yeah, yeah. There's a bowling alley. I used to go there when I was a I kid. I didn't even. Th- I didn't even think to step out of that hotel I know, last week. Uh, I know. Last time. There's just except, so much except going Except for on. when we get, we had pizza with that Paul Wilson. That's true. We that did go great. out to the to the pizza place. That was pretty fun. That was a so blast. it's a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of neat people, and there are also besides all those big names, there are also hundreds of people there that are like you. They think like you do. They love freedom. They love liberty. And um, a number of them have already moved to New Hampshire. Some of them, maybe like you, are considering moving to New Hampshire. So it's really just a great time to get a taste for what things are like here um, in New Hampshire. In fact, some people have suggested that there might be a... um, We were just talking about Mike Barsky, one of the Free State Project members who was recently arrested. He's now sitting in a jail cell awaiting his trial on March 12th. And... Someone has already suggested that there should be a special protest scheduled during the Liberty Forum to have an unusually large number of activists go out to the jail and protest, like, you know, a couple hundred people or something like that. So so there may be some extra things that are just spontaneously scheduled during the Liberty Forum that you're not going to see if you go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum and get a list of what's going on, what's happening. Can you, uh, can you still get the discount? Or you can get our discount. It's exactly. a 10% discount. FTL. Use our discount code, which is FTL. Excuse me. It's 2009 FTL. That's 2009 FTL. And that gets you 10% off. Plus, you can buy a la carte stuff, so if you can only make it up for a Saturday or a Sunday or something like that, you don't have to pay for the whole weekend. Uh, but you, you probably want to make a move on this now. I mean, we're about a month out at this point, so you want to make a move on this while you can still get a hotel room in that hotel. Because it's a pain in the butt to be down the street. You don't want to be in another hotel. All of the action is happening in the Grand Plaza. We had that happen when we were in uh, Washington, D.C. We had to hop in a taxi cab every time we wanted to go to the the convention, and it just stunk. So (laughs) we'll see you there. Head over to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Get more information. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. So to continue my story from this morning, why I was up at 6.30, I went out in a carpool with a number of free staters. Lauren Canario was uh, was one of them, and uh, Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com also appears on this radio program. Uh, so a number of free staters went up, probably about 10, I would say, which isn't too bad for 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning. And so we all headed out to Milford, where Mike Barsky, one of the activists here, was going to be uh, – they were having a hearing, which is the arraignment, where they essentially say, okay, you're being charged with this, this, and this. And in his case, it was all a bunch of peaceful, nonviolent stuff like open container, speeding, not showing up for court, expired registration, no New Hampshire driver's license. And that was where he was given the opportunity to, uh, to put in a plea. And he he chose not guilty, um, so there has been a trial scheduled for March 12th, and so that's another time at which the Free Staters will activate and show up in support of Mike. And again, you can get more information about Mike and how to contact him at jailedactivist.info. But what happened there was really interesting. Uh, beyond Mike was what happened to two of the activists that were there attending in support of Mike. Uh, one of them, Jesse, who is one of the bloggers at freekeen.com, was arrested as he attempted to enter the courtroom wearing a skull cap. One of these winter skull sure, caps. Right. It's cold. It's yeah. cold outside, sure. And uh, he attempted to enter the courtroom. He was stopped by one of the bailiffs. The judge demanded that he remove the hat, uh, and he said he would not, based on religious uh, for, <laughs> for religious reasons. I love that. And I guess the judge asked him for some sort of specific reason, which he didn't really come up with. I think that if you're asked for a specific reason, I think God told me to. Should be a good enough one. Very, very good. Uh, well, you know, you learn these things. But it's hard to think yes. on your it's hard to think on your feet when you're uh, when you're up against these coercive, threatening, authoritarian types. And so he stood his ground. He refused to remove his hat. They told him that he he should leave if he didn't want to remove the hat. He did not leave, and he did not remove his hat. So they 
they ended up arresting him and taking him out of the room. It was shortly the, after that uh, that Charlie, who may very well be the littlest free stater, I mean, this guy is, if you think I'm skinny and uh, small. And I do. Yeah, then you haven't seen Charlie yet. He's a he's got to be the littlest guy of all the free staters that I've ever seen. Diminutive. Uh yes, very small and a very young man and he was outside the courtroom when Jesse was getting arrested. He also was wearing a skull cap. Now, it's Char- cold. Now Charlie hadn't actually made an attempt to enter into the courtroom. He was just outside and I was already in the courtroom. Jesse was under arrest. Everybody else was in the courtroom. It was Charlie that was going to be the last person in. But they weren't allowing him in, and I don't think he was even trying to get in at that point. He was having a discussion with the bailiffs about what are the rules for hats in courtroom or something like that. I, again, I wasn't privy to the whole conversation. But then we heard a commotion, and the prosecutor steps out, and um, you heard, we heard him accuse Charlie of assaulting one of the bailiffs, which, if you know Charlie... Yeah, Charlie he's not going to do something bailiff, like sorry. that. He wouldn't have touched these people. Yeah, of, so, course, of course, the problem is... Even even just touching, they'll say. But he didn't yeah, touch. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, and that, and they didn't accuse sense. him. They didn't actually charge him with assault, so clearly they uh, did not have anything on him. But after accusing him of assault, it was shortly thereafter that they just decided to arrest him for disorderly conduct. Which they um, and by the way, I was trying to get out of the courtroom to during see this. what was going yeah, cause on. Yeah, because I right? heard the commotion, and so I pushed on the door, and the bailiff is right outside the door. He pushes the door shut. Right. They so don't I want tried to witnesses. open the other door. There's two two doors right next to one another. I tried to open the other door. He pushes that door shut. Mm. I said, "Excuse Fire me, hazard? are we being imprisoned here?" Wow. Because they wouldn't let us out of the courtroom. And so shortly thereafter, they did allow me to exit. By that point, they had had Charlie shoved up against the wall of the courthouse, uh, or the, the, what do you call it, the antechamber, or the yeah. gathering room there. They shoved him up the, the against the wall. There were at least three bailiffs against this probably 90, 110-pound kid. That's how they roll. He's not very much. Uh, and, and apparently they did something to hurt him because he was uh, definitely, they made him cry. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. they made this guy cry, and it was really awful what they were doing to him and how they were treating him. He had not harmed anybody, but yet they were tr- uh, they were bullying this guy. And they then arrested him. They took both of them down to the police station. And, of course, if you know the activists up here, we didn't just pile in our cars and go home. We went to the police station. 800-259-9231. A little more to the story here, and we'll take your calls about what you want at 800-259-9231. Do you have activism like this going on where you live? Do you have people backing up uh, people like Charlie and Jesse and Mike where you live? I don't think so. That's why one of the reasons why this is a really special place. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. 
All the features on the site, they are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The, the Shrine of Female listeners, by the way, is included there. Uh, we've got dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. If you've been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about a surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adameve.com, get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. It's 50% off with offer code FTL at adameve.com, and they come quickly and wrapped discreetly. adameve.com. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. So the activists were out and about this morning. Uh, we first had gone to a, tr- a uh, hearing for one of the activists here in New Hampshire, Mike Barsky, who has been arrested on a bunch of peaceful, consensual crimes, nonviolent man, and they've thrown him in a jail cell. You can get details on how to contact Mike at jailedactivist.info. But it was during Mike's, tr- uh, Mike's hearing that, or I guess just before the hearing, that two Free Staters were arrested, uh, Jesse from Freekeen.com, as well as Charlie, who's one of the newer, younger, and uh, most fragile, uh, as far as his size is concerned, Free Staters. And, of course, these big bully cops decided to throw Charlie up against a wall and uh, and physically harm him. That's amazing. It was outrageous. And, of course, after keeping you out, you come and see that this is the end yes. result of what they've been doing while you haven't been able to get out of the room. Yep. Uh, so it was just a, it was an amazing uh, affair this morning, and so we didn't stop there. Of course, after they'd arrested uh, those two, we then followed them to the police station, uh, hung out there for a little while, waiting to see what was going to happen. We got a call saying that a parent from somebody else, who uh, I guess Jesse had called. Because that was the only number he remembered. Oh, when they right. when you get arrested, they take your phone, and if you remember a number, then you can call it. Uh, so he remembered the number of a friend of his who then called one of us in the lobby. We found out they were going to be taking him back for his arraignment on the disorderly conduct charge, which is one of their two favorite charges. I think they, they love the disorderly conduct charge, and then there's also contempt of court. They love that one, too. Yeah. Uh, but this time they chose disorderly conduct for the both of them. And so what we did this time was we split the activists up because we had about 10 people or eight or eight or 10 people. So we split up into two groups. One group went back to the court. The other group stayed at the jail. And sure enough, they actually ended up sending both of them back to the court. We saw them arrive, called the other activists. They came back to the court. And then they had their arraignments. Um, they both pled not guilty. Or actually, Charlie refused to enter a plea. Charlie was brilliant. Uh, it was just a, a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. Uh, I, can, uh, for, I can tell. I mean, based on the, how he handled himself in court today. Um, and he's so quiet, too, so I didn't really expect much out of him. He's right. really a reserved, introverted, quiet guy. But when he was up in front of the uh, of the court, the judge, and I, I, I'm not going to remember his exact phrase here, so I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but essentially, the judge said she was administering justice and blah, 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 and she was going to enter a plea for him because he, he refused to enter a plea because he said the reason he refused to participate was because he didn't want to grant this court any illusion of the of the claim that they were actually administering justice. Wow. He just slapped the judge right in the – a verbal slap right in the face, uh, and it was That's just amazing. great. Yep. So they ended up uh, – both Jesse and Charlie ended up getting uh, rec- released on recognizance. They scheduled a trial date. 
And so that's where it sits right now. It's going to be at the end of February. So I think it's going to be the 25th that both of them are going to have their disorderly conduct charges, which is, by the way, uh, apparently a Class A misdemeanor. So they're both facing up to a year in jail I and love a $2,000 fine. I love that nebulous word, disorderly conduct, neb- nebulous term. Yeah, it means you're conduct. doing what we have told you not to do. Yeah, and especially since, you know, the the orderliness is, you know, supposed to be based on what? Is that subjective, objective, and or is it based on you're not conforming to our orders? I just, you know, I just thought, well, maybe we can just take it in a, in a secondary way and say you're being disorderly. In other words, you're not following our orders inside mm-hmm. our courtroom, rather than the typical way that people would understand disorderly. And they also believe that if people are allowed to get away with little things like wearing a hat in court or staying seated while a judge comes into the room. The government people really do feel threatened by actions like that. They really feel as though the uh, the whole just so-called justice system is really just kind of uh, balancing on the head of a pin, and that if uh, if two people were to be allowed to wear hats in the courtroom, that the entire criminal justice system would come crumbling apart. This is the mentality that they have. I mean, I, it was uh, it was evidenced when I was uh, railroaded in court a few months ago. It was evidenced that. in the 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 written opinion by the judge on why he threw me in a in a prison cell for 93 uh, for a sentence of 93 days his opinion was that essentially the administration of justice had been put in jeopardy by my actions which was to ask a couple of uh, try to ask a question and then in hesitate the as to whether you should be standing or yeah. sitting the administration of justice was put in danger because of a little bit of disobedience so these guys really believe that if people were to be allowed to do these things that it would just all come crashing apart it's amazing. And so it really does say, it really does speak to how desperate they are to hold on to what power they have. That if there were to be something like, oh, I don't know, a, a sit-in or a hat-in, since uh, that they don't like hats very much, people could bring some hats in and all pull them out, put them on in the court, or something like that. If there were to be some sort of level of disobe- large-scale disobedience, and when I say large, I mean 10 or more people, they probably wouldn't have enough bailiffs to arrest everybody, number yeah, one. That's right. Uh, and number two, it would be a major shot across the bow to say, we don't respect you and you can't force us to. And that's essentially what they're trying to do here. When they demand that everybody stands when the judge walks in a room, when they demand that you take your hat off or else, they're essentially saying, you will do things that we believe show respect for us in our process even if you do not have that respect. You must lie. You Exactly. You will pretend as though you have respect for this, because we don't want anyone else to see that you don't. We don't want anyone else to see that you don't and see you having the courage to show that you don't, because it could spread. People mm-hmm. get, could get ideas from this sort of thing, and we all know how dangerous ideas can be. So I just wanted to share uh, today's uh, activities with you guys. That's wow. what happened to me this morning. Incredible. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. So, uh, you know what, of course, what I was left thinking after all of it was said and done, I mean, besides my appreciation for the courage of these activists uh, and just being amazed by being able to be a part of this and be around them and inspired by them. Uh, by the way, I took both uh, both guys out to, to lunch, bought them lunch on. Good for you. Because, well, they didn't have to do what they did, and they did, and it was amazing. But, of course, I found myself thinking, wow, well, this how could this have been better? How could we have done this better? What could make this better in the future? And, of course, my number one answer is more activists. I mean, the fact is, if we had 40 people, it would have been a completely different situation. 
Right. Uh, yep. And it wouldn't be hard. I mean, we have enough people to get 40 if we really pushed it. And, of get course, this was short notice. And, yeah. Right. This was a short notice thing. Barsky was arrested over the weekend. We scheduled this for Monday morning because that was when the hearing was. But, man, if we have – I mean, right now we've got a few hundred activists in New Hampshire. When it gets up to 2,000 activists – it won't be hard to pull 40 people out for a Monday morning and go to something and, like and this. And imagine, it, like you said, if, if everyone were to, just with the example that you brought up, everyone were to walk in, put a hat on inside the court, or or not stand when, or the, when the judge comes in. <laughs> yeah, either one. And imagine what they would do. It, I was, it was going through my mind just for a fleeting instant. Uh, would the cops try to, would they pull their guns on people? Would they try oh to arrest gosh. a large group of people? Would they Would they say, well, we're going to arrest one as everyone leaves en masse yeah, as they walk away? To leave, then, then at least we're going to get one. And then you say to them, well, guess what? We're not the ones who are going to be back tomorrow. There'll be others who will be back tomorrow. Mm. And then we'll come back later on. So for a whole the new next group one. of people comes and, and there'll does be the same another thing. group. Yeah. And you have different groups organized and, and initiated, ready to go. It would be very I love that interesting. Idea. And, and yeah, so as more people come here, the possibilities continue to expand. Uh, and plus, the more people you get together, the more not only are possibilities expanding, but the ideas will start to flow uh, faster. People will begin to, uh, to generate an idea. They'll put it out there. Other people will step up and say, I'm interested interested in that and they'll jump on board and that'll lead to another idea and that'll lead to another idea and all these all of this activism will lead to more people seeing what's happening here getting interested because there is nothing like this happening anywhere else in America I, I don't even know if it's happening anywhere else in the world yeah. there's no level of activism like this and again we haven't even been talking about the uh, the political stuff so if you're into political stuff there's a lot of that going on here in New Hampshire as well a lot of successful political stuff going on yep. from, uh, and again numbers side. will help that too so whatever it is that floats your boat, whatever it is you're interested in, whether it's disobedience, marketplace activism, creating liberty media, doing political stuff, it's all here, and the best activists are coming here. So head over to freestateproject.org, learn more, and we'll come back with more of your calls coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up what you want is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live... You can do so by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing new listeners on board uh, around the world on the Internet. So if you want to help us spread the show and spread the ideas of freedom, go to amp.freetalklive.com, get on board. You get access to perks like the Amply Call-In Lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Dave in Athens listening to WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, super. Hey. What's on your mind? Uh, I was displaced over the weekend. Did you what? get my email? I did get an email from you. What happened? Well, the power went out, and trees came on the line. Oh, dear. And took down all the power. Mm, that's no fun. How did you yeah. send an email during that? I was at the library. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how how long was it out for? Did they get it back quickly? They got it back on Sunday. So wait, when did it happen? Wednesday. Wow, that's a long time to be without power. It's not like those people in Kentucky, though, at least, huh? You didn't have a generator at the house? No, no. Did you have a generator? No. Did you stay in your home, or did you go somewhere else? I went somewhere else. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, man. Was was it snowing down there in Ohio? It was warm today. 
It, yeah, really. I, mean, I have to say it warmed up Gorgeous like crazy day. today. Well, yeah, yeah, warm's pretty relative when you're talking about winter up north. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Hope, uh, hey, glad you minute, survived that. Oh, yes, sir? Yes. I've, heard, I've seen King wrestle, and I also heard Sean Morley calling once. Yep. Yep, uh, you're Albinus. correct. Sean yep. Morley is a fan of uh, Free Talk Did Live. Have, there was one other guy, too. Right. Rich, yeah. Richie. Oh, shoot. What is that guy's name? He does <laughs> the, uh, the technology show. Michael somebody, I think. Anyway, thanks hey, for the call. Back later. Thanks, thanks dude. 800 259 9231. If he called more often, we'd remember him. 1 800 259 9231. Plug his darn podcast. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't remember. I think it was like the T4 show or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't recall. All right. We continue here and talk to Paula in Florida. Paula, you are on Free Talk Live. Hi, hon. Oh. I'm really proud of these guys, what they're doing. I really am. All right. Okay. But anyway, uh, there's something that needs to be talked about. We've got a serious problem with our VA hospitals. Somebody yeah. just told me, said they're trying to kill off as many as possible. They're using them as guinea pigs, and my husband's over there right now. Mm. And I talked to some doctors uh, today that's over there working with his case. And, I mean, they don't know anything about the newest procedures. They've never been trained in it. So I raised came with that hospital. They got doctors coming now over from Shan's Hospital at Gainesville. And uh, but I tell you what, this is horrible. I mean, everybody I've talked to today said the same thing: said don't go anywhere near those hospitals. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are dissatisfied with the VA hospitals all over yeah. the place, and not yeah. a, not just people who had their uh, personal data screwed up because of the VA hospitals, but yeah. uh, you know, just just uh, there was an instance. What was it? Almost a year and a half ago, Ian, where they they went into one of the VA hospitals, very very poorly run, and all of a sudden everybody's trying to pay attention to the VA hospitals. Hey, it's a government system, and you know, it's uh, yeah. it's unfortunate and. It's socialism. Yep. I mean, if you want to see what universal health care is going to be like for everybody, look at the VA hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it may, it's probably well, going to be worse. Got if it's just... good do- we've got some good hospitals, and we got Mayo Clinic, and we got, you know, Shands. And... Yeah, but, but imagine, Paula, what will happen to those hospitals when the government takes over running them. Well, I imagine we'll probably have a lot of doctors leaving. I yep, mean, you're absolutely right about that. Thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. In fact, if you talk to the good doctors, they're telling you they're leaving now yeah. because the the paperwork and the regulations... See the, see, the, see the writing on the wall. Sure. Oh, yeah. The regulations and the paperwork just continue to increase, just and nice. they've got better things that they'd rather be doing instead of filling out government forms. Yeah, imagine the floating floating hospital boats that'll start appearing outside 200 miles out, outside the limits. Well, yeah, maybe they'll be along with the seasteading things, the floating mm-hmm. places to live as well. Yeah. Uh, so we continue here, 800-259-9231. Oh, by the way, it is the T4 show. Uh, you were talking about wrestlers that mm-hmm. listen to this show, and the gentleman's name is Michael Manna. That's Manna, right. One or the other. Yeah. All right, we continue and talk to Apo in Florida. Apo, you're on Free Talk Live. This is Apo. Apo. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, fellas. Loving no, the show. No problem. You're on the air. I wanted to uh, touch base with you about your ideas. I know you guys are libertarians, so I wanted to ask you about your ideas about contraband substances in a free market economy. Okay. Like substances, for example, like plutonium. Do you think plutonium should be like readily available to the public? They just, you know, what do you think the demand is for plutonium? <laughs> well, I know that people would try to buy it if it was available. When you say people, do you mean a person or two, or do you mean like everybody? Because I don't want any plutonium. Me neither. Dude, Okay, I understand what you're saying, but it's just really a general question. Well, I mean, it's it's a great example. It plutonium plutonium is a very dangerous substance, just like so many other dangerous substances that are out there, and many dangerous substances which are perfectly legal for people to move about. And if we were in a private society under which we did not have government regulations, the interests of people and concerns of people about things like plutonium would be reflected much better 
because you wouldn't have the government getting involved in what happens to the plutonium, whether you like it or not, it's going to be buried in a mountain near you in Nevada. It would be based on the ability of people to get into business and the fact that they don't want to have all of their money taken from them for making a mistake. It would be based on insurance liability. It would be based on the fact that if you want to deal in this sort of thing and you want to bring plutonium energy to people through the use of plutonium, through nuclear nuclear physics, then in order to operate in this fashion, in order to buy this sort of thing, in order to get enough money to do it, and in order to go into business, investors are going to want to be very, very careful that you're using it properly. And so you'll have an even better protocol set up in the private paradigm than the government paradigm, which doesn't care because they don't have any liability. I think that's a brilliant answer. Apo, your thoughts? Um, well, I guess I, I, I agree with your guys' uh, thing on the war on drugs. I, I fully agree with that, that that's being handled poorly, very badly. But I also think that, you know, we do need the government to intercede in things like, you know, dangerous substances, really dangerous substances like plutonium and, and what highly What is it, sir, that makes you, APO, like that. APO, what is it that makes you believe that the men and women calling themselves the government are the best group of men and women to do such a thing? I don't see anybody else being capable of doing it. Okay, maybe that's just because you don't have any vision well, uh, in this area. You know, when uh, you've seen the major, uh, possibly. Apo, when you've seen the major uh, terrorist acts out there, and and I'll admit to you that uh, the guy going into a McDonald's is a terrorist act, and I would, certainly wouldn't want hand, plutonium in his his hands. But when you see most of these terrorist act, acts out there, most of them are c- committed. Because of the government. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Look you know. at the Soviet Union. After the breakup of the Soviet Union, Mark, it's a great example. I don't mean to jump in and, and stop your, your no, point. No, I'm though. used to it, Gardner. Don't worry about that. No, no. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 please. Well, you inspire me. You know, uh, the, the, if, you, if you bring it down to its core elements, not to bring up a pun when I'm talking about plutonium, but if you, <laughs> if you bring it to its core elements, and it's a fascinating question. It's a really good question for the exercise of one's intellect on this because... It's real uh, crucial. It's, it's exactly. Um, you... you you look at, okay, for what purposes? Okay, for energy purposes, if someone wants to get into it prima facie so people see it in the marketplace, he is going to have to find a place to produce this energy. There are going to be neighbors who will or will not think that they – he's going to have to have to come up with some way to pay for potential damages. If this is that risky a substance, then the 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 risk will be so high that he would have to have a very strong safety protocol f- to be able to get the insurance so that if he brings harms to anyone else within a certain radius or downwind, then that would be covered. If you look at the other side of it and the government side of it, what was the the, the one of the major stories that came out of the the uh, uh, breakup of the Soviet Union, which was where did all this plutonium go? Where did all this uranium go? Where did all this all these substances for nuclear missiles go after the breakup of the Soviet Union? They were wondering what happened to this stuff. They couldn't account for tons of it. Tons of it was left in in uh, nuclear waste was left all over the place, just rotting in these rotting containers. Because of course the government was defunct and the people who ran it they had no liability. So if you look at it, I think in the in the private paradigm versus at least the example that we've seen in the government paradigm, it's very, very unlikely that anyone who is going to be up front in the marketplace would not try to deal with this in some sort of way that was acceptable to the very people who supposedly would be voting for the government to protect them in the first place. If you think that the government can do it because people are going to vote for representatives to make decisions about where it's going to go, then why can't you trust those people to just come up with their own rules themselves? Apo, any thoughts? 
Uh, yeah, again, like I said, uh, I don't think, you know, first of all, the insurance companies have to be regulated to begin with. If, if you don't have regulations on them, they're going to issue guys insurance for whatever they want, whenever they want. You know what I'd like to suggest that you do, APO? I'd like to suggest that you take a look into what regulations are really about. In fact, if we get a chance, we'll talk more about regulations here a little bit later in the show, because I have a great story about how it is that regulations are nothing more than the the laws that are written down in order to protect the existing business people in a given industry. So if we're talking about the insurance industry, it's the insurance industry that wants to be regulated because if they are regulated, then it means that you, APO, could not just go and start your own insurance company and compete with those guys because the government has put up all kinds of hoops that you'd have to jump through, which would dramatically increase your costs and possibly make it even impossible for you if, if, if for instance, the government is limiting uh, the amount of people that can be in that marketplace. So regulations don't actually help as you believe that they do. Thank you for the call. More coming up. Hour two's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's your show. We're launching at hour number two of the program. You can bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls. We go to Todd in Pennsylvania. Todd, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Todd in Pennsylvania. Going once. Hey, what's up? Hey, you're on the air. Hey, I just uh, was listening to one of your podcasts the other day, and you're always talking about how uh, with functional marijuana users need to come out of the closet and declare that, you know, I have a job, I smoke pot, and I'm not an idiot. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And with, uh, have you seen the pictures of Michael Phelps on the internet with him? Uh, yeah. In the ball? Yes, yeah, I have. He bitched up and he me. apologized for it. Yeah, just like every other cowardly celebrity apologizes whenever they get caught with marijuana. Oh, what did he? What did he say? I don't have the quote in front of me. Something like yeah, uh, yeah, he he uh, he issue he he exercised bad judgment. Bad judgment. Well, maybe what he well, meant I, was he he exercised bad judgment by allowing himself to be photographed smoking <laughs> marijuana. Because uh, from what I understand of what my reading of these stories is that he knew what he was doing. It wasn't as though he was past the bong for his very first hit. I'm sure. Uh, according to observers, he hit it like a champ, knew exactly how to light it, how to, uh, to to smoke it, because I can tell you, if you've never smoked a bong before, the first time is a little confusing. You don't usually... Maybe he, meant, I, he shouldn't have trusted other people with his uh, you know, the, the, his celebrity. Yeah, mm. but it's, it's mm. frustrating watching this happen, to watch these people that somebody who's in a position like Michael Phelps I mean, we're talking about a, uh, what is it, eight gold medal winning Olympic swimmer. swimmer. Yeah. Uh, this well, is... yeah, over the summer, he was America's golden boy. And yep. now all of a sudden, because he did that and completely apologized for it. I mean, most likely he was showing off how much he could inhale with those lungs of his. <laughs> probably hitting I... it harder than anyone else there. I'm not sure that he wouldn't have still been America's golden boy if he just stood up and said, you know what? I smoke pot, and I do it now and then. He'd I do it rec- recreationally, and as far as I'm concerned, it's l- far less harmful than alcohol. I, my body's important to me, and I won't, uh, I won't sully it with alcohol. Or I'm an Olympic swimmer, right. and I well, ate gold medals, and I smoke marijuana. How powerful of a statement would 
would that be? But unfortunately, his handlers are telling him, "Oh, you know, Michael, you've got to, you've got to uh, apologize. You've got to grovel." It's, yeah, he's it might not be his handlers. It might be his sponsors. That's what I. Whoever thought. it is, yeah. you know what? Oh, yeah, There's no, a good I'm chance he's not going to be allowed to compete again, even though he's apologized. There's oh, that's a, a an good chance point. they could yeah. strip him of the gold medals if they wanted to. Probably. Does it really matter if he can compete again or not? I mean, it's... well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. So he should come out and say, "Hey, look." I am responsible. I'm a, a Olympic swimmer, and I have smoked marijuana, and will smoke marijuana, and will continue to smoke marijuana. It, it would be so much more powerful, so much more newsworthy, so much more uh, discussion-worthy. Because right now, in the in the news media, the viewpoint is, oh, he's such a bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Look what he got caught doing. Oh, and you know, there's actually an article on ABC News. Uh, they were interviewing psychologists as to oh, no. why he might have done something like this. And it was like champions, uh, something about being a champion makes people do things like this. And you know, th- that's, not, that's not what it is at all. It's he probably wanted to get high and his gotten he, high before. He enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's really I, I'm sure they brought... Oh, go ahead. I consider myself a champion, and, you know, I went to work today for 12 hours, and I came home and pulled about five Michael Phelpses, and <laughs> I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and uh, go back to work and work probably another 10-hour day so, as yeah. a contributing member of society, and, you know, that's just how it is, and I think there are a lot more people like me, and I think some of you guys over there, so... Uh, well, you know no, what? You know it, what? At least now people can bring up examples. Hey, guess what? The greatest swimmer in the history yeah, of mankind, the greatest achiever in the the greatest achiever in all of that sport. Hey, guess what? He partakes. Yep. I think that's a brilliant that, point. There, you can't take that one away. That, You're absolutely yeah. right, Gardner. Yeah. Hey, hey, any other thoughts for us, Todd? Uh, no. I mean, I really just I think you guys are doing a great job. Uh, You're really getting the message out there that. I mean, I used to be kind of conservative, Republican-ish, and I've drifted much more to just the government sucks at everything it does, <laughs> no matter who's doing it. It's so, an easy place to go, I, isn't it? Every, <laughs> oh, it's extremely easy. <laughs> you know, and, as Republicans, that's really pretty much what you believe anyway, that the government is, is poorly equipped to do things. They're bad at it. and But you somehow just think that they should be fighting wars and, uh, sending, well, and you know, populating exactly. the, the police the, department. And the most frustrating thing is, like, we wouldn't even need to be in the Middle East if the government didn't have all these crazy yeah, environmental absolutely. regulations oh, yeah. keeping us from tapping more resources of ours, you know, and, I mean, they're shutting down. It takes, like, 20 years to get a permit for a nuclear power plant, and there's no way this new administration is going to make it easier. A so-called green technology that could easily free us from dependence on foreign oil, make us so we did not have to, you know, give a crap what happens in the mm-hmm. Middle East, and we can't do it. Well, and, you know, I was well making the point over at, over at my website. I, I was uh, doing a, a pod a while back, and, and I was saying, look, you know, these things like T. Boone Pickens' plan and all these alt fuels that Obama wants to, wants to in, invest in and create <laughs> three million green jobs, those are jobs that could be started now if people wanted to invest in these things and they would actually represent something called productivity and people would want them. But the fact that they are not investing in these things, the fact that T. Boone Pickens has to lobby the government to get the government to try to force Force truckers to have to transfer over to natural gas at a cost of like I don't know oh how many God. billions of dollars. Three hundred and fifty thousand trucks that he wants know, retrofitted. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And to yeah. talk more about uh, some governmental hypocrisy, and especially people on the left side of the spectrum. Ted Kennedy is pretty much almost personally blocking a wind project off the coast of Cape Cod. Oh, yeah. it would, it's about five miles off the coast and looks like 
like the size of a couple pinheads right. from their view. But what about the birds? The greenies, the, birds the greenies are really, uh, you know, they're they're really torn on this whole windmill thing. But they'd like to see alternative energy, but they're sure that the windmill turbines are, are tearing birds apart. Here's a little trick: if you think that that windmills are killing birds, I want you to Google windmill dead bird on Google Images, <laughs> and and you'll see the bile, the pot, the piles of bodies in front of these windmills. No, you no. won't. Because oh, no. you, you might see, I believe I saw one picture of one dead bird that happened to be yep. near a windmill, and I'm not sure that these slow-moving turbine fans actually killed it. Maybe it like tried to nest in there and got crushed yeah, or I've something. I've seen these things. <laughs> they don't move fast at all. I, I, but, you know, you know, I was thinking on, on the pot issue, though, and, and I'm glad that you called in about this. And, you know, as a guy who functions and you go out and you do your thing, Barely. I was never, you know, I've, I'm a pretty straight-laced dude. You know, I, I don't very often drink. Uh, I I think, you know, maybe very rarely have I even been around people who are partaking in, in so-called illicit substances. But I don't give a flying crap what somebody else is putting into his body. And frankly, I, I think that the more people start to experience the epiphany that you have, where you say, you know, I used to be a really conservative guy. I think that that makes for a much healthier society. We shouldn't have all these hang-ups about what other people are doing. You know, what is the deal? Let them let them survive or fail on their own actions. Thank you, Todd, for the call. Appreciate the discussion. 800-259-9231. You know, while we're trying to protect the birds, why don't we go after the real culprit in dead birds, in, in unexpected dead birds? Sliding glass doors in windows. We just need to put a stop to this. Yeah. Every house, every office needs to be retrofitted. We need to brick up those windows, or mm. at least cover them with some sort of uh, some some sort we, of we surface. We should all live in we'll... tents. Hmm. That's an excellent point. I'm just thinking about the birds here, Mark. I'm those, just thinking about the birds. Terrible birds. Because they just they like to fly. They think that it's open. They Bang. fly right into it. Dead and instant birds. dead. I mean, it's it, I've seen it happen. I mean, as far as <laughs> yeah. as far as the uh, how often it happens to the windmills, I don't know about that. But I've ex- personally windows experienced windows kill far more wind, uh, yeah. birds than windmills. I yeah. think that's an excellent idea. In fact, I think from now on they should have something sort of like what they have in Michigan now with those thermostats that cause that guy to die because you know he froze to death in Michigan because the utility company uh, had this thermostat set in his place and they shut off his heat because he hadn't paid. Uh, the government okay. killed him. Um, yeah. Uh, That's I think, compassionate. I think they ought to retrofit all houses or have some sort of a deal on all new houses that they have to have this uh, no sliding glass doors. I mean, in New Hampshire, they have a proposal that in New Hampshire, all new houses have to have a carbon monoxide sensor mm. because you know it's a very risky thing even though people might not want a carbon monoxide sensor in their homes that doesn't matter it's well once you once you set out a mandate like that then the next step is well we have to give them out for free because the poor people can't have them oh yeah it, great it, point it, it, it's all downhill from there toll free number 800-259-9231 your calls about what you want that is the point of the program that's why we call it free talk live again that's 800 800- 259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. More of your calls coming up about anything.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Garn. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. The features, by the way, include the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, dial-up version, webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Uh, that's listen.freetalklive.com. Also, Gardner mentioned his website, but didn't actually give the URL during the last segment. So let me clarify. His website is libertyconspiracy.com. Not only do you get to read uh, some bloggage, bloggage from Gardner, yes. uh, but you also get to listen to Gardner because he has his own show, The Liberty Conspiracy, available totally free to you at libertyconspiracy.com. And you know, Ian, uh, after the radio show that I was doing was stopped, uh, going over and doing the uh, podcast and working with you guys has been pretty cool because I can do things that I couldn't have done on the on the radio. You I've are a done, free man! I'm a free man, exactly. It, we did a two-part piece on The Prisoner, and I got all these emails from all over the world. It was great. That's amazing. It's really cool. And we can do music podcasts. We did a music thing on The Damned. and So it's, it's a lot of fun, and I can get special guests in, and we do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with it right now, and, and uh, so thanks to everybody for subscribing. So. Cool. LibertyConspiracy.com for more of Gardner. And also, you can hear Gardner over on our special looping, endlessly looping network of liberty-oriented podcasts at LibertyRadioNetwork.com. You can listen to Gardner there. I don't know if we've even officially announced that on the air yet. Uh, it was just kind of a soft launch, I guess, on the Internet. Uh, we've, we've collected some of the best liberty-oriented audio content on the Internet Put it all up on one streaming internet channel. So Gardner's there, Free Talk Live, uh, Free Minds Radio, Stefan Molnieu is there. Uh, who else do we have up there? Lou Rockwell's podcast. Oh, yeah. Bureaucrash has a pod, uh, podcast. That's up there. So head on over to uh, LibertyRadioNetwork.com if you want to listen to that stream. And the only thing we're not putting on from your feed is the music shows, guys. Right so on. We're filtering those out. That's understandable. Because uh, it is a talk station. There you go. All right. So 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line as we continue here with Jeff in Missouri. Jeff, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello. Um, one quick thing before my main comment. Yes, sir. I almost hung up when you guys talked about the marijuana, joking around with it, because I lost a close friend, and she started out with smoking marijuana. She OD'd. What did she OD on, sir? Um, Cocaine. Well, that's not marijuana. Do you think she, totally drank, she started drugs. out on well, marijuana. Do you think she drank alcohol before she uh, smoked marijuana? I'm not sure, but I know she did that before. But the, you know, the, the, they call marijuana a gateway drug, and I think it's uh, I think it's an unfair characterization of uh, marijuana in that alcohol. Most people that have smoked marijuana drank alcohol before that, and so isn't alcohol a gateway drug to marijuana, which is a gateway drug to whatever? Yeah, but um, are you saying that she is uh, not in control of her own actions? That the marijuana actually spurred her to snort cocaine? I tried to figure out what happened, and all I know is that she was a drug user, mm-hmm. and it started out with marijuana, as far as I know. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it's a painful I, thing. I think clearly with certain subsets of people, they they are more inclined <clears throat> to overuse something or to, because they're in a certain environment, because all of these drugs are prohibited, 
Uh, the, the people can start to have subsets of their groups joining other groups that take illicit drugs, and then you find people being introduced to harder drugs. There's a, I think there's a whole sequence of things that can contribute to this problem that lead to a tragedy like that. Uh, but at the at the same time, and, the, and you're talking to a guy who's not a drug user right here. Uh, I'm just not, you know, digging it. You know, it's just not my scene. But yeah, you know, I don't I, do any of that stuff either. Yeah, you know, do but, you drink? No. Okay, well, so, Gardner, you've drank before. You yeah, occasionally, yeah, exactly. So but, that counts. Yeah, as a exactly. Drug. Well, it, yeah, there. Well, that depends that's on the criteria you're using. Yeah. It's a very hard drug. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's an excellent point, Ian. And and so, okay, so I, I sort of have to rephrase that in a way. Um, I think there are lots of people out there, and and you know, uh, obviously, many people know them who do recreationally use marijuana or regularly use marijuana. Millions and, of people, yeah, yes, and they are functional and they are fine. Yes, and, and, and most my, of them don't go I on. Can go on my main comment. Most yes, of them. Please. I'd like to continue though. Most of them don't go on to snort cocaine just because they've gotten high on marijuana. It's just not the reality. Do you understand that could be the case? Maybe, possibly. Okay, go on ahead with your uh, next point. And one quick thing, I experienced personally what the guy people are going through through uh, Kentucky, the uh, St. Louis High Storm back in 2006. Okay. Mm. And we got a generator and all that stuff. It's a good idea. We hooked it up. The power came back on as we started to turn it on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> isn't that how it works? Is that Murphy's yeah, Law in the, action or what? Yeah, and then and then my uh, main comment is the HR six four five House resolution. Which one is that? By by Representative Alice L. Hastings. No, Alcee Hastings out of Florida. That's one of them that we we're going to be talking about. The one with the camps. Yeah, I was wondering if you guys were going to get to that tonight. Well, hey, we'll, we'll get to it right we now. We take requests. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Guard, did you pull that up, or do we need to give you a few minutes? Yeah, no, I got it right here. If you want to want to uh, get to it, I, I put it over the sites. Uh, and okay, here it is. Um, yeah, this one was actually over at WorldNet Daily originally, and uh, great call leading into this. Uh, Jerome Corsi, C O R S I, who covers a lot of these things. Uh, mentioned that Alcee Hastings, a Democrat of Florida, has introduced to the House of Representatives a new bill. And, and you know, obviously certain people are fra- framing this in a way that makes it look like his intention is to start concentration camps for malevolent purposes. That's not the way these things start out. These things start out with the greatest of good good intentions. Sure. And the good intention here is uh, he, it would be... Politicians HR- believe they are doing the right thing yeah, or exactly. else they wouldn't do it. Many right, times. and that's it's true. It's all predicated on on a fallacious idea that first of all, government should exist, and second of all, uh, even going beyond John Locke's concept that government exists only to stop people from harming each other. Now, government has to get involved to help people during naturally occurring phenomena like rainstorms or whatever. Exactly, right. and that's really just this last century where yeah. uh, you know the government ever started getting uh, the national government ever started getting involved. Yeah, and I believe that that's inevitable once you accept the predicate that government has to exist in the first place that you're going to get there eventually well, it has to be involved in everything at right some point. right and so it's called hr 645 and it calls for the secretary of homeland security to establish no fewer than six national emergency centers for corralling civilians on military installations the proposed bill, according to Corsi, has received little mainstream media attention, absolutely right, appears designed to create the type of detention center that those concerned about the use of the military and domestic affairs fear could be used as concentration camps for political dissidents. 
Uh, it says it's here been that, done before. It's absolutely. not an irrational fear at all. Done in this country. Yep, absolutely. It says here uh, the bill also appears to expand the president's emergency power, much as the executive order signed by President Bush on May seventh, oh seven. That, as World Net Daily reported, gave the president the authority to declare an emergency and take over the direction of all federal, state, local, territorial, and tribal governments without even consulting Congress. <laughs> yes. What awesome power. Here are some little little uh, points. The DHS has awarded $385 million to a Houston-based KBR, Halliburton's former engineering and construction now, subsidiary. this is old news, right, with the, the, the old contract, because that was news uh, a couple of years ago. Ghost, I recall. Uh, well, you know, that's interesting. I, I seem to remember that. And there are a couple little uh, points here that they say that it's going to provide centralized locations for training and ensuring the coordination of federal and state local first responders, wink, wink, to provide centralized locations to improve coordination of preparedness and so on, and a couple other things we can get to. We will. 800-259-9231 and your thoughts as well. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. 800 800- Two five nine ninety two thirty one. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. Over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. If you've heard the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire, and they've touched, moved, and inspired you, but you're unable for whatever reason to be involved, well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. That's cdevolution.org. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. So, Gardner, you're telling us about a proposed bill in D.C. that is going to authorize the creation of at least six concentration camps. Yeah. Now, they're not going to use those terms. They're going to say they're assistance centers or something like that. Uh, but the, the concept is, or the initial concept is that, well, during some kind of disaster scenario, the government might need to corral a whole bunch of Americans in a camp for whatever reason. <laughs> and so that's what they're proposing. And and you you were getting to a point in the article where they were talking about something that actually had happened a couple of years ago, at least as I recall, where one of the Halliburton subsidiaries, and I think they've split off since since that time, yes, KBR, yes, former, yes. Uh, was given a multi-million, hundreds, over $300 million contract to build the camps when they were demanded of them. It, it wasn't, as I recall from the story... They were given this contract, but the camps weren't necessarily ordered to be built at that time. Right. Is that it, your understanding as well? Yeah, I, I remembered hearing about that. It was one of those things where you, it was not covered very widely uh, by the popular so-called pop media. And uh, I remember what you're saying. It was KBR. I remember that. And at that time, I thought they were a subsidiary of Hall- Halliburton at that time. But they are I think they were a former time. former subsidiary now. They're, they're engineering and construction So subsidiary. how is that tying into this story? That's the, the connection I missed. So the, you've got 
got the bill. Right now, you've got this bill that is authorizing the building of at least six of these camps. Is it that they needed another piece of legislation to actually utilize that multi-hundred it, million, it million seems, dollar contract? It seems that the actual use of it now will be directed. The use of these of the, the in the article, it's a little bit uh, amorphous. So I think using your perception on this uh, brings us to a little bit more clarity. It seems that the money that was was uh, allocated for KBR to begin construction on these things was allocated without any direction as to the purpose of them. Now they've hmm. got the purpose, which is in this new bill, this House Bill 645, H.R. 645, gotcha. by Alcy Hastings of Florida. It says here, according to the text of the bill, the, pur- the purpose of the National Emergency Centers is to, quote, <laughs> provide temporary housing, medical and humanitarian assist- assistance to individuals and families dislocated due to an emergency or major disaster. And, of course, we I think I'd know. rather take my chances uh, outside of the emergency center. Yes. Thanks very much. Yes. So you have, yep. you have of course, terrible you might not government- be given an option. Yeah. Well, you have you have people assuming that the government was was supposed to protect them somehow in New Orleans mm-hmm. and and of course the government fails, doesn't do what they think it's going to do, which isn't really what it's supposed to do in the first place. And maybe maybe the founding fathers were a little wise on that. The people actually had this concept that you know they were going to try to restrict government. Maybe they were mistaken. I don't that think the they founding fathers restrict. had any concept as to how large government could grow. Well, this is the problem. They didn't understand that no matter what they did, it was going to grow. But their original concept was, hey, guess what? Don't use government to try to protect yourself from natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's up to you. And well, lo and behold, it was up to the people in New Orleans, and they did a crappy job because they were relying on government, and government did a crappy job. Yeah, there, so, there were not glowing recommendations coming out of. Of the, uh, the concentration camp yeah. they built at the what was it the Astrodome? Yeah, the Astrodome. That's my. That's exactly yeah. where I was going with that. That's just what I was thinking. Superdome. Okay, you know, it's Superdome. 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 Then they uh, also Astrodome's moved some in, to the Astrodome in, in Houston. Didn't in they? Houston, maybe, I, guess. Maybe they I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. Superdome. And um, so you got you got all those problems that they had before, and now they're saying, well, hey, we failed before, so let's make more places, and mm-hmm. we'll do it right this time. Just like the FDA with this peanut thing. The first thing a politician said was. They need more money. Um, they get millions of dollars a year, and it's not enough. People are dead, and the FDA didn't do anything to stop it. Gardner, so, you don't want speak of, speaking of people that are dead. You don't want people dying during natural disasters. <laughs> These emergency centers will help save lives, incredible. and if it helps just save one life, then it's worth all those billions and billions of dollars well, in taxes. And this is the thing, as you brought up, it, the a national emergency now, uh, based on Homeland Security, can be any situation that the director of Homeland Security or the president say is a national emergency. It could be a rainstorm. It could be be anything. Anything. A voter problem. But one one of the most disturbing things, obviously this this story on its own is just disturbing, the idea that they're building camps to put people in. And we all know that government programs expand out from their original intentions and they they become far larger of a, of a beast than they were originally intended and right. they be, they can become more intrusive and more oppressive we all know that uh, but what's really concerning about this is the mentality that this is helping to promote which we touched on earlier the mentality that you should look to the government when there's a problem right. the mentality that if there's a disaster it's the government that will help solve the problem it's the government that's going to look out for you you don't have to worry about taking care of yourself because we have a national emergency center you can just report to the national emergency center and you You'll be taken care of. You'll have a yeah. cot. You'll have some crappy food. Yeah, and if you're lucky, they'll bring you some water. <laughs> yeah, there are two sides to this. You hit it exactly. There's the there's the worrisome side of 
the fact that people's freedoms could be could be trampled and they'll yeah. be held in these places against their will. That's perfectly perfectly justified. Well, but we know on the that, flip side, we know the reverse happens. We yes. know that during a, a storm of some sort, they frequently will block off streets and prevent people from attempting to get back to their own houses. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be the reverse of that. It would be just them simply saying, "Well, look." Gardner, it's for just too safety. dangerous out Absolutely. here for you. You're going to have to come with us. Absolutely. And then, but you brought up the, the reciprocal of this. What about the hotel people who are, say, X number of miles away from New Orleans uh, and other other places where you know that if people were displaced from their homes, the these people would gain business. There is an incentive for some of those areas outside of typical hurricane zones for them to provide extra cots, mm-hmm. extra space, and there is a financial incentive for for all of those things to occur. Now, people can say, "Oh, that's gouging. That's yep. terrible." That's where well, I was guess what? Go. You know, these the government doing this is forcibly taking money. Well, it's not like these. It's not like the people that are in these disasters didn't have the opportunity to plan ahead. Well, I mean, that's another. You, you remember yeah. the story of the grasshoppers and the ants? Uh, the fact is, the these these folks are grasshoppers. You know, yeah. they didn't plan ahead. There there are opportunities to uh, you know in these natural disasters often when you're talking about hurricanes for instance you know when it's going to happen in advance all these natural disasters are led up to by a series of choices that are made by the individual absolutely the power didn't go out at my house here in this uh, most recent um, ice storm ian what what did the huh? power no. Go? no it didn't happen to go out at my house but there are people that plan for it by having generators and there are people that didn't plan for it and didn't have generators that's right so and, you know, you can people, can say, people can say that this is a life or death situation and so on. Okay, well, maybe it is. But there are different, there are different degrees to this as well, based on one's preparedness. Now, uh, to, to bring up another example, although it might sound almost absurd, Ian, uh, but... It, I don't know, it, God. It, it I don't, is, <laughs> there's, we are so into the realm of absurdity, yeah. I can't see how it could well, be. Go I, ahead. I'll give you an example. You know, in, in New Hampshire, they have uh, twice every summer, they have these big races up near Concord, the, the big, uh, the big uh, in, what is it, the Grand the, the, uh, Laconia, Laconia, the, 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 the uh, NASCAR, NASCAR race, NASCAR okay. race. Room for so yeah, so um, you'll notice that the the hotels along the two main north south routes in New Hampshire, all of a sudden you see their prices on the hotel start shooting way way up. Demand is up, supply is low. There you go. They're charging two, almost two and a half, sometimes three times. Good for them. They should what get it. it. Is. Exactly. Now. You can see the same sort of accusations that were made on the hotel owners down around Florida when they had some of their hurricanes like Rita and things like that. I think that was around Florida. Uh, people could correct me. You guys were from the Florida area. Um, they were they were very upset. Name, yeah, matter. you know, whatever. Yeah, really. Um, they they were very upset because hotels were charging so much money. Well, guess what? You know, uh, this gave the hotels an incentive to order more cots, Mm -hmm. to get more people to be able to stay in them. And guess what? More people could get places for shelter. It's the same sort of thing here. Are we going to say that because people want to go to these uh, races that they're being gouged and we should have a government proposal to build places for them in case of a race car emergency? Yeah, that's crazy. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your thoughts on this or whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. The 
is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Uh, you know Amazon. They're the world's largest internet retailer selling virtually anything you might need to buy. Uh, so head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You can even buy used items. If you need to, uh, need to save a few extra bucks, Free Talk Live will get a cut if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And don't forget to take a look at Gardner's book, Live Free or Die, available through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We continue with your phone calls, and we will go to Doug in Texas. Doug, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Doug. Uh, hello. You're on the air. Hello? What's on your mind? Yeah, you're talking about uh, FEMA government assistance after Katrina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I know after Hurricane Ike um, near Houston, Ron Paul's district got hit pretty hard. And uh, he refused government assistance. And um, a lot of people were shocked at first, but uh, uh, Galveston took care of itself, and it's not in the news right now. You mean it's not in the news because they're not to- totally devastated by whatever the... Yeah, exactly. Natural disaster was. Yeah, because, exactly. well, when allowed to work, the marketplace does a brilliant job at taking care of people. Uh, they, you, they don't, people don't, if, from the free marketplace, people don't necessarily expect to be taken care of, but all of a sudden, when disaster strikes, there's Walmart pulling up with a truck full of ice and oh, water. Yeah. There's the Red Cross, uh, which is really kind of tied into the government now too much, but there are the private charities rolling up uh, with, uh, with doctors and uh, care workers. Salvation and, Army, man. Salvation Army was blocked from going into certain areas in the Katrina area. So was Walmart. Yeah, exactly. The FEMA guys had it all staked out. In the meantime, some of the people who are posted in the FEMA areas, they've got nothing to do, so they're going out for job interviews out in the non-disaster zone areas. They're <laughs> sitting around. And another thing that really ticks me off is in any natural disaster situation, in, in any human endeavor, you've got to be able to recognize Failure, and you've got to localize failure and keep it keep it from being as widespread as possible. Government maximizes failure, spreads it as wide as possible. And there's no mechanism. There's no mechanism to stop the you, failure. Exactly, and you when can't the government learn. Fails, oh no, then no, they have you to, put a put a new bureaucrat in. He'll solve all the problems. Right. It was just because that one guy didn't know what he was doing. We're going <laughs> to put a new guy in. Well, no, we're going to put a new bureaucrat in in charge, and we're going to restructure. That's what we need to do. Restructure the government organizations to make them more efficient. When when people have to rely on themselves, when they have their own insurance policies, when they are the ones who suffer the consequences, not only do they learn from their mistakes, but others close to them learn from their mistakes. In a free market, the learning curve is much steeper than mm-hmm. in anything in government because government retards that. They put insulation over it called politics. They take politics. away responsibilities exactly. from people. Exactly. So if you, even, if, even if you're going to say, well, you know, the free market can't help everything. No, but it, it can do something very important. It can give human beings the incentive to learn from other human beings' mistakes and for things to be to organically grow from those mistakes to shield people from potential liability in the future. Insurance programs, new designs for homes, getting rid of weeds in fire-prone fire areas, all these types of things where there is a stronger incentive when the government is gone and people have to rely on themselves and their human interaction with their neighbors. Doug, any other thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say that Ron Paul stuck to his guns and, you know, he refused, you know, FEMA and, and it's, it's fine. You know? And he got reelected. 
Yeah, you know, that's something that a politician is going to look at as being really politically unfeasible, refusing disaster aid. Ron Paul refused the aid and no doubt was excoriated in, in the local media for it and got reelected. So really it yeah, shows exactly. that if you've got somebody that's principled, that, that, that people really appreciate that if they're out there, which in the realm of politics, Ron Paul's pretty much the only guy. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing Thank from you. you. 800-259-9231. We continue... With your calls, and we go to Dave listening to the or listening in the People's Republic of somewhere. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Yeah, I think they call it a natural disaster because it uh, is naturally occurring with some frequency and some form of predictability. Okay. Yep. Okay. So uh, apparently there was a natural disaster a week or so ago in Kentucky and surrounding states. Mm-hmm. They had one of those ice storms like you guys had out in uh, exactly. New Hampshire too, mm-hmm. too long ago. People are dying all over the place out there. Well, I don't know. Body count's still under 50, I think. It isn't yeah. that big of a deal. So yeah. what about but, it? Well, it, is, it, is, it is if it's your family, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but however, the National Guard is going door to door in Kentucky to check on people's welfare. And are they confiscating guns? Has, has anybody reported that yet? Because that's what they like to do uh, these days. Haven't heard yet. That's hmm. one of the, one of the reasons I called. Wondered if anybody else had heard about that. When did this happen? I I've only vaguely heard about it. it when did this? Well, as of this morning, I read the news. They said there was one article said seven hundred thousand. Another article said one point three million. Yeah, I think oh, it wow. was. Uh, it might have been. I don't know how many days ago it was. I, I think they're going on four days now so far. And. Um, I've I've tried to look into it. I didn't have much time today because I was on a borrowed computer. My computer's been broken down. But I was trying to look into, and if anybody has has any suggestions, just email me over at the Liberty Conspiracy website. I'm trying to find out information about the way Kentucky's power system operates because here in New Hampshire we had that problem. And one of the major problems was that we have a government-enforced monopoly, essentially, with Public Mm -hmm. Service Company of New Hampshire, where people could not call to get information. They went to the website, and the information wasn't readily available. People went to the office and they were prevented by police officers from mm-hmm. even putting their hands on the doorknob. Uh, it was crazy. Can I stop you for a second, guys? Sure. Okay, I, and, you know, I, I do listen to your podcast, and I've heard you rave about the power outage over oh, there in New Hampshire. Yeah. However, the, you guys have lost power before, and it didn't take this long to get it back, right? This That's is correct. sort of a new phenomenon going on for weeks and weeks, right? Yeah, and part of it, actually, I looked into it a little bit more. Part of it came from the fact that Public Service Company of New Hampshire hasn't been cutting the tree limbs near the trees. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, yeah, but, but the, real, the real reason that they haven't been uh, getting the power back on is because they don't have the material to replace what's been damaged. Uh, back is that in true? August... Ice, which is remarkable that they're having ice storm problems, but ice raided a place down in Mississippi called Howard Industries, and they are arguably the biggest uh, supplier of giant transformers that you see on the road. No way. Really? And all of that stuff. Okay, so they pretty much did the same thing to... Howard Industries that they did to that meatpacking plant in uh, Pottsville, yeah, Iowa. Which has come in and, and arrest half of their staff. So there's no kosher meats yeah. up there. I didn't know that. Wow. So wait, so you're pointing, so what you're pointing out here is that because they raided a transformer manufacturer, that essentially the public service bureau, uh, semi-bureaucracies were not able to do their slow, crappy job even as slow as they normally <laughs> do it. They did it even worse because they just didn't even have the materials they needed. Yeah, if, you, if the transformer doesn't exist, if it's still on a piece of paper at the on the assembly line, wow. you're pretty much out of luck. 
Wow, man. thank you for pointing that out, and thank you for the call tonight, Dave. Yeah, I got to look that information up, man. 800-259-9231. You know, that's an interesting point. We uh, brought up at the very end of our Saturday night show the immigration issue, and it actually hasn't come up on this program for a long time, yeah. which is unusual. I guess that the uh, I guess the fervor has die, uh, died down a bit. But we brought it up in the very remaining moments of the show. Didn't have time to delve into it very much, and sure enough, you know, the newer listeners that uh, hadn't heard our opinions on freedom, the freedom to move across imaginary lines on a uh, in the sand somewhere were upset and sent emails and you have to you have to ask yourself now would all of the people who are in New Hampshire and Kentucky that would consider themselves anti-legal immigrant would they still if they knew what we just talked about mm. about how these raids on these manufacturers resulting in hundreds of workers, Hispanic workers being rounded up and thrown out of the country, essentially right. destroying that particular business for that time for a time period until they could finally get back up to speed, which apparently hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, would they would they be willing to sit in the cold for two weeks? Sit in their cold houses, possibly you know, damage the pipes in there. Would they be willing to go through that process, to go through Boy, the hell you that know, people went through in order to exterminate the uh, illegal, so-called illegal aliens from this country? Because apparently that's the price that some people paid. And, and you know, that, that really puts the puts Mark the looks face confused. On it Hold on, how second. did Mark, that happen? Uh, what, what are you missing? What, 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 where did the uh, trade-off come? I don't quite understand. Okay, did you did you hear what uh, Dave told us a moment ago about the power transformer company being raided by ICE? Right. Oh, I see. You didn't make that connection? It no. was ICE that okay. raided the transformer manufacturer, essentially destroying their business, meaning that the power companies couldn't get the power back on because they couldn't get the supplies they needed from their suppliers because the ICE raid to enforce the illegal immigration laws essentially shut down the business. Mm. So if the illegal, uh, the anti-illegal immigrant people, these zealots, uh, if they're so serious about it, then they're certainly they'd be willing to sit in the cold, in their cold, empty house uh, for a couple of weeks and wait it out, right? They just wow. don't. Well, I, I doubt they'd be willing to do that, but they just don't understand the uh, unintended consequences no, that don't. come with government force every single time. Right, and we have, we have of course, and even even touched on the details of uh, of so-called illegal immigration and why immigrants are a good thing for the economy and why they need to be here uh, and why, of course, it's the government welfare programs that are the problem. Yeah. It's not people taking advantage of the welfare programs or them being distributed unfairly. It's the welfare programs. Anyway, hour three is coming up. You can bring up what you want, especially if it's immigration. It's free talk live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We are launching an hour number three of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give to you free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Going right back to your calls to the amp line. It's Dan in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Hey, guys. Um, hey. I, I had it. Uh, originally, I wanted to ask this kind of off-the-wall question, but that can wait, because you guys brought up something else that's really interesting. Um, on Saturday... Well, you know, tonight you guys were talking about how government, you know, use of government sort of reduces personal responsibility. And I think that that's one of the reasons why so many people were calling in on Saturday when you guys were talking about drug legalization. You're saying, oh, if we legalize drugs, the social consequences would be awful. And, you know, we had people calling for the deaths of dealers 
Yeah, the, thing that wow. the Warriors were really be, out in force on Saturday night. There's no yeah, doubt. Yeah, they should be. They should be beaten to death and then burned alive. And <laughs> yeah, this is really, really crazy. But the, the thing is, in a free market, you know, it, it, without the government prohibiting things, people have personal responsibility. They would pay probably um, very high premiums to say insurance for risk-taking behavior such as heroin use. So. Say a heroin user in a free market decides that they want to continue their habit, either they do it very quietly and very responsibly, or they probably pay a higher premium. And if they go crazy like people are afraid they're going to do, it actually becomes prohibitively expensive. Right. And, so and the problem takes care of itself. And in private societies, you would have paradigms that would grow organically based on the kinds of people that they would want to accept into those societies, the risk that they want to uh, accept based on the kinds of people that they bring in, and the trade-offs on being ex- incredibly exclusive to not allow certain behaviors or not allow certain people in who engage in certain behaviors, uh, and and uh, the amount of trade that they would lose on having very, very restrictive societies. So it all works out based on what people truly want, and as long as they can exclude and they live on their reputations, uh, you come up with all sorts of variations that people can experiment with. Government doesn't allow for that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, even if you have the minority, the minority of the people who get who fall outside the system, who you know, who are who lose their ability to interact and they become criminals, you know, driven to crim- criminality by their habit. Well, if people have the freedom to protect themselves then that won't be a problem. So it's just, you know, li- liberty, you undo the problem entirely, but these people want to bring in more government, which creates more unintended consequences, which they call for more government, and that just leads to more and more tyranny. So Sounds like you've problem. got it nailed, Dan. Yep. Yeah, when you move in New Hampshire. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> Actually, uh, after, I, uh, after I finish my schooling, I'm planning on going to Grove City for economics. Oh, good so, for you. Where? I don't know when exactly. Grove City though. College. Where's good that? for you. Uh, Grove City College, that's in uh, Pennsylvania, right? Yep. Yeah. That's where I live. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Grove City is one of the two uh, two schools that was part of a Supreme Court case back in the 1970s, where the federal government wanted to force Grove City and Hillsdale College to have to oh, conform to, take to Title money? Nine. Oh, okay. If they took federal money, so they lost the case, and then they said we're not going to take any federal money. And then the federal government came back and said, if you take any students who get federal money, mm. then you have to conform. Then they said, okay, we're not going to take any students that get federal money. We'll Good have our them. own private uh, system. Well, I Good thought the you, Groves, I, I thought that it was only Hillsdale that didn't take students that took federal money. Oh, actually, maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You might be able to clean you know, it better, Dan. No, Grove City is a completely private, and cool. also they awesome. are one of, I think, three schools in America that actually focus on the Austrian theory of the business cycle in their economics department. And so that's yeah. one of the reasons why I want to go there. That's Good pretty spiffy. You, you know what needs to happen? Uh, one of the New Hampshire colleges needs to be like that. It needs to be like a free market oh. university, an Austrian university. We've had dreams of starting one up if we could only get the money and get some good people coming in here. It would be there, so much fun. We really do need some uh, liberty, liberty-minded people with some serious capital to start up all kinds of interesting ventures like a liberty-minded college, a yeah. private bank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole uh, laundry list of things that we could really use. Hey, uh, Dan, any other thoughts for us tonight? Yeah, actually, what I originally called in for, and I, if you want, I can just ask this and you can answer after I hang up. But uh, you say you can call in about anything, I'm going to take you up on that. Please. If you could invent absolutely anything with no financial restraints and not even bounded by the laws of physics as we know them, what would you invent? Ooh, I'm especially that's a, asking Guard because he's had experience in science fiction good writing. Good question. Well, I mean, I feel like I, what I'm I ready would, for you. I'll. Uh, hmm. I would like to um, to invent a device that uh, is, isn't isn't very ugly that fits on my head. It looks like, as a matter of fact, it looks like a Tampa Bay Devil Rays ball cap. Um, that. Uh, 
allows me to read and control minds. Mm. I, well, I, I will then control the world. <laughs> I have a couple things. Uh, the first one, I'll say one, you know, whatever. But, okay. Uh, I might call it the reciprocator, so that anyone who imposes, inflicts pain on you in any way whatsoever Ooh. receives the same thing back to Immediately. them. Sort of like a How about times 10? Thing. Very, very good. Yes, yes even, even harsher. That would be very interesting. That's I an awesome. That. Nice one. Yeah. Uh, I, mine's probably pretty cliche. Mine's probably going to happen. Uh, teleporters. I like teleporters. Oh, That's yeah. Cool I thought you idea. wanted to upload your brain to the Internet. That was oh. my first the thought. Only, I, the only thing with, it's all going to happen. The so, only thing I mean, with teleportation is uh, I, I was actually thinking of a Star Trek story on this one uh, that I wanted to do for the show Enterprise, but uh, they had gone in a different direction. I originally thought it would be really cool before the, when they were first starting to meet the Vulcans, if all of a sudden people were dying on Earth all over the place. And they didn't know anything about teleportation, uh, you know, hypothetically in the original mm -hmm. Enterprise show. Uh, unfortunately, in the first episode, they were, they were discovering it. I thought they should wait. And, um, and it would be really cool because then they discovered that there's a faction of the Vulcans who don't like the humans interacting with the Vulcans. They, they don't like it. And they're using teleportation to actually teleport, like, viruses or little little uh, oxygen bombs into people's brains. And they're killing humans left and right because you could potentially oh teleport viruses inside and microbes yeah. and all sorts of things inside people's. You could just teleport. Teleport air inside somebody's brain and kill them. Yikes! That's kind so, of scary. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting. So yeah, my my answer was kind of cliche, and you know, it's it's actually tied into the upload your consciousness to the internet thing because you would need to be able to transfer your consciousness from point to point in order to be able to teleport. So I guess teleportation is kind of a natural extension of the uh, the technology that it would take to essentially download your consciousness to the internet and yeah. re-upload it into and reform your body somewhere else. So yeah. nano machines, all that stuff's coming. Cool Thanks for the. Stuff, oh, how about you, Dan? What would your invention be? Actually, minus teleportation, too, because it, with, with the ability to travel instantaneously, it would even open up the colonization of space, you know, terraforming planets. And I guarantee you that with that, you know, with the restriction on movement, formal government would, would become obsolete oh, in a matter yeah. of years. Hey, oh, absolutely. You know, you know what's interesting about teleportation? Ben? If you just make, help me make my, uh, my little hat... Then the government will be over very, very quickly. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. I was going to say, one of the interesting things, I heard in an interview uh, that David Brodnoy did before he died, actually. He used to have Ben Bova on a lot, science fiction writer. And, uh, and Bova was talking about teleportation, and he said, what people don't realize is that uh, if you're really going to have teleportation, the only way that you can have teleportation is if the body is destroyed. Every time you teleport, you've got to die. And essentially, the paradigm for a teleportation would be that your body would be taken apart atom by atom, and mm -hmm. there would be such great technology that they could actually study the, the instantaneous positions of the atoms in your body, including the electrons in your brain, and copy those instantaneously, put them into some sort of a, an intelligence system, beam it through light waves to wherever you want to be, and then reconstruct your body with nanites. Yeah. That's what teleportation would be, be he awesome. said. <laughs> but you die every time. It's or, a freak out. <laughs> or they could just make another you, and then you might be able to just upload the experience. Well, you know, the science is beginning to uh, touch into the areas of consciousness. From, from what I understand of my very basic understanding of what might be going on out there, we did have an article one night where we were talking about near-death experiences and how people believe that when they're when they're having near death experiences, a lot of people have an out of body experience at the same time. So if they're lying on a hospital platform, you know they're in a hospital room, they'll go up above themselves and they claim they can see what's going on.
on. Right, I love that uh, stuff. It's fascinating, yeah. and it happens a lot, apparently. Yeah. So people are they're beginning to do experiments where they'll put things outside of the person's body, like some bizarre shape, you know, something an identifiable yeah, shape. They're putting it on the floor because they often say that they yeah. would go above the body, so they're putting these designs on, right? Yeah, on the where floor. they couldn't see them from their from their body's eyes yeah. to where yeah they're putting these designs that you could identify at a glance. And they're essentially going to bring people back from – when they come back from being dead, however short of a period of time it was, they're going to interview them. And if they had one of these experiences, they say, okay, if you had one of these experiences, what did you see on the floor? Right. And so they're going to see it. And so if it's really true that people are having this out-of-body experience where it's legitimately scientifically proven – what does that say about consciousness? Well, it says that consciousness continues in the absence of the physical body. Right. And what does that mean for teleportation? I don't know, but it certainly <laughs> sounds fun, doesn't it? 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your thoughts about this or whatever you want. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. Going back, in uh, point of fact, for an entire year. So enjoy all that free at freetalklive.com. And did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential, guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. That's PrivacyHarbor.com. We continue with your phone calls about what you want. And we go to Stephen in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Stephen. Hello. What's on my mind tonight is uh, I'd like to put Guard on the spot if I could. All right. Um, here he is. All right, Guard. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> go ahead. Well, this, this is right up your alley, Guard. <laughs> okay. um, if, uh, if I came to you on the streets, uh, I'm, I'm, let's say, random liberal uh, that you meet, mm-hmm. and I explain to you uh, passionately, as they usually do, that this economic crisis we're currently experiencing was the cause of greed, or alternately, the cause of capitalism—you know, caused by capitalism, mm-hmm. the final nail in the coffin of laissez-faire, or whatever they want to say. Yeah. How would you respond, you know, really concisely? Well, uh, excuse me. Uh, there are two ways. Two ways that I think you can respond, and I think you, you, uh, out of necessity, you must respond. Uh, mm-hmm. The first is to give a quick example of. Why we're in this, the position? Why the American consumer is in the position that he is in right now? Uh, one is to explain that the government control of the money supply uh, exceeded the productivity curve. First, you've got to explain productivity. You say, look, the whole the whole reason we have an economy, the whole reason you want to engage in in commerce, is so that you can get more for your effort. You don't want to have to make everything yourself, so you turn to other people who do good jobs with what they make. And the more they do it, the better they are at doing it, and they can get more for their efforts, so they can sell it to you for less, and you want to get it for less. Now, when you've got the government controlling the money supply and they start putting money out there, what ends up happening, as you know, and I think it's a very easy way to explain it to people, is you have more money chasing the goods that are being made at a certain productivity curve. So the supply of money is increasing faster than what people can make. 
And the differential between that supply of the money and the curve of your productivity is how much less your dollar can buy. When you take that situation and then you combine it with government policies that put all that money not only into the market but direct it into certain industries like the housing industry, then what you do is you get people <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> who are working in other industries and doing very good work in other industries – you all of a sudden find that due to government policies, this particular housing industry and the wood and the concrete and all the things that go with it, they're starting to do very, very well. So you start getting more people employed in those areas who really shouldn't be employed in those areas. You increase demand for those things, and the price of them goes way, way up. And what ends up happening? Once people start to realize that it's taking more money to buy what they want, they start to hold back. They try to try to cut back on their their expenses and their and their purchases. Once those things start to happen, then you start to see that the the government inspired business cycle will displace a lot of these people who were pulled into these industries that should not have increased the way they did. And you've got to let the prices on those things drop closer to the value of what they are. You've got too many homes out there. You had too high and and a demand for them spurred by government policies, and you've got to let this thing drop. On the other side of it, what you have to say is greed is always going to exist and the only place where you can make greed work to better society to actually help people is to funnel it and channel it in channels people's self-interest into having to voluntarily make things that people want make things for other people in the free market and the only way you can do it is to let the consumers decide what they want to get and don't get the government involved because that maximizes greed and it insulates the greed well because when greed is backed by power then it's yes. really dangerous but when greed is checked by compet- uh, competition, competition in the marketplace then they can only go so far if they don't have a government we were talking about the power companies earlier yeah. if a given company has a government granted monopoly status as the power companies do then they can do whatever it is they want to do and they can charge whatever they want pretty much i mean obviously if you charge b- above a certain amount nobody's going to be able to afford it but they can charge whatever they want because there's nobody else there to compete with them there's nobody Brought, else to you, offer you similar came services. in with competition that's just the perfect time to do it now so let me, that's the way i would finish it off competition steven, all the way steven let me give give this one a shot you said concise sure. and i think i'm going to try concise okay because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you asked really gardner come on concise <laughs> so um you'd mentioned that uh, that greed caused uh, the financial crisis that we uh, currently have and that it's the this is the final nail in the coffin of uh, laissez-faire capitalism right yeah. Well, you, first you say, um, well, this was um, the greed can only greed is only powerful when backed by the guns of the government. When the monopoly that is uh, the monopoly on violence that is the government is is used by people that have that are you know that are greedy and able to use it, and those people are likely to get in power more so than you and I because those are the people that would use power against other people, right? Mm, yeah. And Laissez-faire capitalism means hands-off. Do you see the government with its, you know, hundreds of thousands <laughs> of regulations as having its hands-off of the right. banking industry? Mm. In fact, the government creates the money. How is that hands-off? Right. So there you go. I mean, that, yeah. Well, it, I, I actually encountered a person today 
who said that we've tried capitalism up until this year. So starting this year with Obama in office, we're now going to try something that he called social capitalism. Oh, man. And I just didn't even know where to start. Yeah, people are just so misinformed. Hopefully that was of assistance. Thank you for the call tonight. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls, and we will go to Dan in Texas. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. How's it going, guys? Hey, Dan, what's on your mind tonight? Fire radio. Pirate Radio. Arr. Yes, yes. And uh let y'all know that y'all are alive right now still, and I haven't had any uh, jackboot ink thugs come to my house yet. Well, that's pretty and cool. I wanted to thank y'all. I wanted to thank y'all for profusely what? for putting together Liberty Radio Network. It's exactly what I needed to make it automated and not have to hassle with it. You know, it's just perfect. Very cool. Yeah, cool. Glad it's working out for you, man. Have you, uh, I mean, how's the reception? Everything working as you intended it to? Yeah, it's covering our little area here, and uh, and not much farther than that, which is perfect for keeping on the you know on the down low, but reaching the people I, I, I'm intending to reach. And uh, like, like I said, that Liberty, Liberty Radio Network is is perfect for people like me because I can just set the transmitter to come on at certain times, and it's it's there and got a good mix of shows, and and it's just. Is perfect. Well, that was kind of was one of my intentions in putting it together. I had a couple intentions in putting it together. Uh, number one, by the way, I, I'm not intending to uh, compete with the Genesis Communications Network. The, that's our syndicate. Right. They are our radio syndicate. They but not put everybody us on, can put up a C band or a KU band dish. Right, uh, but Genesis puts us up on the the big bird for the radio stations to pull down. So I don't want anybody to get that thought in their heads. Uh, but this, the purpose of this was to expose Liberty content uh, to a wider audience. I mean, Free Talk Live is probably the biggest Liberty-oriented show out there right now, and so we can kind of use our position to bring other bring attention to other shows. I mean, obviously we've been doing that with Gardner and, and yeah. Toby and Nick for a while, uh, but now we can do it with more shows because of the uh, the Liberty Radio Network. And it's basically a streaming internet feed. You can go to libertyradionetwork.com to tune it in. And if you are programming a radio station, it's a really easy plug-and-play thing that you can use. More coming up. Thanks for the call, Dan. And this is Free Talk Live. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring uh, you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. Uh, and it is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by learning how to promote the show at promote.freetalklive.com to get the show into more ears around the world. Uh, promote.freetalklive.com has a full list of easy and mostly free things that you can do to promote this show. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create your will, or a living trust, even register a trademark. Empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com, that's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. Just as an aside, when I came back, I said break something. It's because right before I turned on the mics, I mentioned that an email just came through from the, the Break the Matrix people. 
And uh, I hadn't seen an email from those guys in, oh, I can't remember how long. It must be months. And, of course, these are the uh, – the, the, was, was it Trevor Lyman, I believe? Mm, he was the yeah. guy that put together the Ron Paul money bomb thing, which was a real big deal. I mean, it was an awesome thing that he did there. And then he used apparently the email list that he generated from the Ron Paul money bomb to launch this Break the Matrix thing, which, again, sounded like a great idea up front. The idea was that they were going to put together their own uh, network, their own television network, and essentially uh, get it s- – syndicated on to cable operators around the country and, and bring a, a liberty-oriented 24-7 TV network to fruition. Sounded like a neat idea. They were asking people to invest into their network. Uh, they were asking for contributions from people. And I think they've got an Internet streaming channel, and so I guess they've kind of moved in, in the right direction. But hmm. they used to send out the occasional email update letting people know what's what was going on with their business plan. I haven't seen anything from them until just tonight, and it was just some sort of activist item. Wow. So I guess they haven't broken the Matrix yet. Eight hundred two. The Matrix is mighty tough. Yeah, 9231 We continue with your calls about what you want. However, uh, Free Talk Live launched our own little uh, network, as we That's mentioned. Great. The Genesis Communications Network, our syndicate, which we've been happily working with for ever since the beginning of our syndication, has expanded their co- uh, content. They've doubled their uh, their channels on the, uh, the national radio scene. They now have two channels as opposed to one. And uh, let me tell you, those channels are not cheap, so that means they're no. doing well, too. So it's good to see that the providers that are really out there pushing liberty-oriented content are actually doing well, well and succeeding. With a business model that makes some sense, um, you know, and I'm not trying to yeah. go after the break, to ma- break the matrix people at all. I, you know, I, I'd like to see them do well, but but before I get too excited, I have to see them do well. Um, the the donation model's good in the beginning and everything, but. You know, it's it's got to be a tried and true uh, advertising model for for it to work. From what I can tell, I mean, you know, send all the donations you can, but uh, advertising that's really what does it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue with another man who is putting out great liberty oriented content. He's Dave Ridley from hey. RidleyReport dot com. Dave. Hey guys, can you hear me all right? Hey, yeah. good evening, sir. What's on your mind? Well, uh, you guys, have you already talked about the uh, man being arrested for wearing a hat? Yeah. Two uh, two men actually arrested today for wearing hats. Uh, one Jesse from Freekeen.com, the other uh, little guy named Charlie. Yeah, uh, I talk about that or have you already talked about oh, it? Oh, yeah, we went into great detail in the first hour. Did you have something you wanted to uh, mention about it? I could, uh, but probably I won't have anything more than what you've already talked about. So I had a backup story for okay, you. Okay, great. Uh, I was actually uh, sub- uh, subjected to a backpack search uh, at the New Hampshire State House. I heard about ago. that. A backpack. And I uh, got video of it. Now, this is actually a very rare thing uh, at the State House. People are not normally searched at all. And so, of course, this was you know, this was disconcerting to me. I went ahead and submitted to it, but just got it on video. Um, but what happened today, uh, and of course the video is already up, but what, what happened today uh, was I went ahead and called the, uh, uh, the guy in charge of security at the House, at the mm-hmm. State House. And I expected to get the run around and everything. But he submitted to an interview over the phone, let me record it. Hmm. Uh, it was very nice. Uh, and he explained to me, I wasn't really satisfied with the explanation, but why he understood that the guard just chose uh, to, to search me. So at least it was nice to kind of get that openness out there. Right. The openness is good. Of, you know, we talked a little bit about open carry in the state house and how you know, it's bad to have a state house like the one in Massachusetts and everything. So it was a, it was a good conversation. 
Well, what what did they offer to you as a rationale when they first when the uh, guard there asked you to submit to the search? He said, uh, the, again, the chief said that the guard wouldn't answer the questions. I asked, why do you want to search my bag? He wouldn't tell me. He told me to talk to his supervisor. Well, his supervisor uh, said, well, the reason I got, because I guess, you know, this is uh, a backpack search is rare enough at the state house that whenever it happens, I guess the guard will go and inform his supervisor that he did it. And uh, what, what the guard told the supervisor, at least what the t- supervisor told me, that the guard saw me look to the left and the right when I went into the building, uh, and then I looked lost. He didn't recognize me, and the backpack looked a little, uh, well. I think that's about that's about all the reasons they gave me. Uh, so you were suspicious. I considered that insufficient because of the fact that he actually called me over to the desk before I really entered the building. Mm, yeah. So well, you know, just as I was beginning to go into the first, because there's two doors to get into the building, and I wasn't through the second door yet, and he was already calling me over. It's interesting. You know, what really bothers me about that, Dave, is that. You know, with the uh, fears about terrorists and so on, Fourth Amendment procedures are just being thrown by the wayside. Uh, there was recently another court ruling uh, regarding pat-downs uh, from people who were stopped at uh, at uh, traffic, you know, for traffic uh, violations. That uh, now it's not a Fourth Amendment violation, according to the court, for the police officer to get you out and pat you down, even though he doesn't really have any sort of... Uh, any sort of a warrant or, or you know, justifiable cause. Yeah, and this is where it starts. They start with places like, you know, on their own turf, courts, yeah. uh, federal buildings, yeah. and maybe the state house, and so forth. That's why we have to stop this kind of thing at the state house. Every time they do it, whip out our cameras and videotape it, complain, you know, make a, make a stink. Now, Dave, uh, that way, it hopefully never proceeds beyond the stage that it's at right now. You are somebody who will, from my observation of your activism up here, Dave, and you're one of the most, I think, active people in New Hampshire, uh, you'll, you, what you'll do is you'll tend to kind of feel out a situation. Like, so like you said, with this backpack search, you allowed it to go on. So you could, I guess, get a feel for what exactly was going on. You've talked to the bureaucrats. Do you feel as though next time you may put your foot down and refuse the search? My guess is that next time I would submit to the search, but let them know if you if you go through with this and you if you push it all the way, I've got four or five different options for following up with this, and they're they're a step up from what I've done before. Because we could, there's a thousand things we could do. I mean, we could uh, we could have an open carry day at the state house, have a lot of people open carrying inside the building. I don't think they really like that that much. Mm-hmm. I bet they uh, don't. We could have uh, you know a lot of people bringing backpacks, or I could go in 15 or 20 times with different backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I could decline to submit to the next search and inform them in advance that I wouldn't submit. You know, though there's all kinds of different things that this could trigger. Yeah. I feel right now I'm glad that at least I was able to get an open conversation with the guy in charge. He let me record him. So at this point, I didn't feel comfortable selling, saying to him, hey, this is what I'm going to do if you do this again. I didn't say anything like that. Yeah. But if it happens again, then I would have to go you know, forward to some of those other peaceful steps that we could take. Yeah, and you're not just a man, you aren't just a man with a camera doing uh, great reporting, although that is what you do most of the time. You are a civilly disobedient activist, and you're very choosy about which uh, disobedience you choose to do. You've done a number of things in the past, and I imagine you'll continue to do them in the future. Uh, I know a lot of people look up to you, Dave, and a lot of people are watching at RidleyReport.com. I'm a fan. Uh, I'm definitely a subscriber at YouTube. Now, Dave, um, I got uh, some kind of update from you. I'm uh, the viewer of the Ridley Report, where you said that it would benefit you in some some way that I didn't quite understand. If people subscribe to your YouTube channel or something like that, can you tell me about that a little bit? 
one of my viewers emailed me or contacted me and said, Dave, you're like within 80 views or 80, you know, 80 subscribers of being like in the top 100 something or another. Mm -hmm. And if you get into, you know, it's all about hundreds with YouTube. You get in the top 100 this or the top 100 that, you get a lot more hit. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently my subscriber count is very close to putting me in that top 100. So I did put out a request for more subscribers. I got a lot more subscribers and I could use even more. Oh, hey, by the way, Dave, uh, we can talk about this uh, some other time, but just so you know, the Milford District Court today did not allow cameras inside. So I just figured I'd give you a heads up on that. Hopefully we'll have yeah, some more. Yeah, that's what I heard. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. Dave from RidleyReport.com. More on the way. We'll sneak your calls in here in the remaining moments. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, only uh, here in the remaining moments, and maybe just enough time for your call. It's Ian here with you. Vanguard And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you, and they include the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever, they're, uh, whenever you need to know something about Free Talk Live, you'll know it first. If you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com, SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to a account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, and they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. It's right there at the top. SACL C-A-I. We continue with your calls. Thomas in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Thomas. Thomas? Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey, what's hey. on your mind tonight? Yeah, I love you guys' uh, show. It's my first time calling in. Uh, I think it's just stuff like this is really going to make the difference. I, I, I come, I'm kind of like I believe in the better nature of people. At times I think if people know the right thing, they kind of do the right thing. And that's why the government uses so much propaganda to make people think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is like you don't hear on the media um, is uh, the, with the bailout is the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act that made it legal for these dep uh, depository institutions to engage in all the investing in the stock market. And what happened was they uh, they started uh, – the bank. It, they shouldn't have done it because you, you don't do that because your mortgages – you get your mortgages and your small business loans from these banks. If they start speculating, it brings down the mortgages in the small business. That's the rationale for the Glass-Steagall Act from the Depression. And what happened is, what happened is there's only three regulatory agencies that rate bonds. One of them, Standard & Poor's, which is an indices, the Standard & Poor's stock market indices. Um, Fitch and Moody's, I believe, are the other two names. And they started, uh, what the bank did is usually they have to wait to get their profit so you pay off your mortgage. And, it's, and they found out that they can get these bonds. They would, they would bundle them with other speculative entities like uh, derivatives. That they would take these mortgages that they knew were speculative, that were risky mortgages, mm -hmm. bundle them into bonds, and they got them past these agencies were rating them as AAA and they distributed them all over the world. And when the bonds started uh, defaulting because of the mortgages, they started, the banks started losing their butt, and the stock market started crashing because these bonds were spread all over the world. And the reason that the banks were lending out so, money was, was so much money so freely was because, one, they knew they could get the bonds past the regulatory agency so they could make as many mortgages as they wanted, and they weren't going to get be at a true loss because they could pawn it off on Wall Street. And, two, the Federal Reserve made interest rates so low that they were below inflation, so that by the time they have to pay the money back, it's, they're 
the money they're paying back is worth less than the money they originally borrowed. Right. They were counting so, debt as assets. It well, was ridiculous. But, but you know, yeah, what but. you're basically saying, though, with this uh, Glass-Steagall Act is that this um, that it, keeping it in place would have uh, staved off this coming repli- um, re- recession uh, farther, and uh, then, therefore, it would have and, and it would have been just as bad then, right? Well, uh, well, this particular bubble, this particular scam that they're running, would, it wouldn't have been able to occur because these laws were put in place specifically to prevent this specific collapse of mortgages, this specific collapse of mortgages and, and small business loans and, and credit defaulting. So I don't think this would have, would have happened, but there's always another scam. They always change these laws to make more speculative banking legal, just like the Keating Five and uh, all the scandals there. And, of course, that wasn't really a big part of the campaign, even though there was a similar, bigger scam being run simultaneously. Yeah, you know, you they know, don't put I, that on the news. I understand your point about Glass-Steagall, uh, but I'm of, obviously of a slightly different mind uh, on Glass-Steagall. I think uh, Glass-Steagall, and if you look at the one, that, what, are the, what, what was the one that they passed uh, a while ago in, in response to Enron? Uh, Sarbanes-Oxley. Sure. It was the Sarbanes-Oxley Act where companies couldn't go in-house for their own accounting. They had to go out of house for, the, for their own, own accounting, to the outhouse, you might say. Um, I think that I in, in every instance, uh, the government... Uh, government restrictions, even Glass-Steagall, A, don't solve the problems, and B, add an extra layer of bureaucratic uh, interference in the marketplace that uh, first hinders individuals from being able to make quick decisions in the marketplace and also causes all sorts of problems for the information coming back to people in a transparent way. Uh, there's some good writing on this over at the Mises Institute and at uh, FEE.org, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Lou Rockwell has some things on it. I have to look into it a little bit more. But, uh, but the whole idea that the government can solve the problem they created by creating more of their legislation is just fallacious. I mean, we all oh, know yeah, that the way to solve exactly. the problem is to abolish the Fed and get the government out of the money right. business. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. The real I'm for, I'm for an, an expandable currency with private and with some private market influence, of course. I I think the Fed is one of those things where they give you the government likes to give you this ninety percent truth, ten percent BS where the like they'll call it the Patriot Act and it's really nothing any kind of Patriot would, would want where they give you this Federal Reserve system that seems good on the surface to a point, you know, it it's 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 mission at a point and then they make it major, majority private instead of majority public. Boy, I don't, and, wait, 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 hold on. It doesn't, matter if it's, it doesn't matter if it's public. I mean, if you're printing money from thin air, you've got a bad economic system to begin with. So I don't think oh, that the, the government the should be involved be based, at all. Like you were t- I think the money would be based on like what he was talking about, the production and labor standards. Well, what I would suggest is that we have a free marketplace in money, in currency, and then each currency provider could base it on what they thought would work best in the market, whether that's what you're suggesting or something else. That would be the best way. I would like to see several things backing a currency. I would like to see labor, maybe some metals. I I would like it to be too big to be cornered, and I would like it to be to a point, and I would like it to be, you know, universally exchangeable in the United States because when we didn't have, before we had a central... Bank of the United States, while we had the central banks of each state. Thank you for the call tonight, Thomas. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Ryan in Florida. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, the immigration thing. Um, Just involving the minimum wage aspect of it. Down here in Florida, there was actually an article in the St. Pete Times uh, regarding this. uh, It was actually a tomato farm, Mm -hmm. and they regarded it as uh, modern-day slavery because these 
uh, workers on the farm were getting paid 35 cents an hour. Now, I'm not justifying that the farmers were paying them fairly, but uh, the whole aspect of minimum wage is that it interferes with competitive wages. Sure, it does. And, and therefore hinders further capitalism because then it causes increased inflation throughout the entire market for that particular the, product. The government's all in this one, okay? The, there's, you know, this is all the government's doing, and yes, it is to some extent modern-day slavery. I will say that, uh, you know, that likely those employers are providing a place to live for those people, that which includes some level of electricity. I, I'm, I'm sure it's not as nice as my house, but... They're probably getting paid by the, uh, the, the pig the as well. Uh, right, and, you know, there's, there's competition going into that, so you have to figure in uh, a certain level of food and a certain level of lodging along with that $35. But if it wasn't for the, uh, the the immigration laws that we currently have, then they wouldn't have been able to force these, you know, not force these people, but make these offers as low as they did. And these people accept these offers because they'd have more competition because more people could hire them. And exactly. it's, it, you know, it's exactly just a big right. mess. Thanks, oh, Ryan. They, they likely wouldn't come here if they didn't have guaranteed schooling and guaranteed uh, health care and guaranteed welfare and all this other stuff. Well, plenty of people would still get, come here because they, they want a better opportunity. Some That's may, some may not. We've got to get to these calls. Sorry, guys. I wish we had more time. We've got to talk to Dan in Kentucky. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Dan in Kentucky. Going once. Yes, I wanted to ask um, Guard about Liberty Universities. Yeah. And um, uh, any other ones that – there was this one that was in Pennsylvania that was mentioned. Oh, you mean uh, Grove City College? Yeah. Yeah. um, They're principled. That's what I understood. They don't take uh, public – Funds. Right. That, that's what I understood. Is that right? Yes. And Hillsdale College used to be uh, preeminent among them uh, under um, under their president George Roach. Um, he passed away, and of course there were some problems with uh, his uh, daughter-in-law uh, committed suicide there, and um, all sorts of problems arose. Hasn't their publication the uh, the Impermisco? Uh, hasn't it gone neocon? It's yeah. The the whole school okay. has changed greatly, uh, especially their economics department. I was at one of their Mises lecture series, and they actually had a former Fed director in there talking about how um, the Federal Reserve was a good thing, and it was just, it was really, it was shocking. Uh, People like Richard Eberling uh, used to be there. They still have some free marketeers, but Grove City's rocking, and if you're looking for other Austrian branches, there's uh, uh, Ben Powell, uh, and of course, who's a friend of uh, Jason Osborne's, one of the great advertisers here, and supporters of freedom. Uh, Ben Powell at Suffolk University in Boston, they're starting up a great Austrian program. NYU still has a couple Austrians. Uh, but I would uh, Grove City and and this Liberty University is a per- very interesting idea. I don't know that much about it. I have spoken to a couple people about it, and I'd like to see more and see them grow and get a greater name. Maybe I just wait. Need where to is look this? Where them. is that located? Well, Liberty University is something that I, I believe they're trying to start, and they they don't have a location yet. Is it like an online thing? Okay. Yeah, they're they're working to try to I think perhaps do something in New Hampshire, but I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, let's get them up here. I think that'd be awesome. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. It has been Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. We shall return tomorrow night, and you can return with us online as well at freetalklive.com. Okay, this is a special podcast bonus interview edition of Free Talk Live, and we have with us tonight uh, somebody who's more than just an author uh, to you, Mark. You're the one who uh, brought... 
this book forth. Yeah. Um, who who are we who are well, we joining us? Uh, Tony, doc, joining us? Dr. Tony Lamada. She was the preacher at uh, the Sarasota Celebration Center where I used to go to church, and uh, she put out a book, and I thought we'd do an interview on it. It's uh, sort of a uh, um, law of attraction kind of thing. And uh, Tony, tell us about this book. You've uh, got a book coming out. What tomorrow? The book is is out. Tomorrow is the launch for a bestseller campaign. And the book really goes a little bit beyond the law of attraction. Many years ago, I had a minister friend of mine give me a sheet of paper that had a list of qualities on it and said to us, stop setting goals, don't make New Year's resolutions, choose a quality and focus on it and watch what happens. And I've been doing that now for about 14 years, and I've been teaching other people to do it, and I finally wrote about it in the book. And what this is about is usually when we set a goal, we think we want a car or a house, and we set the goal, we go after it, and we get it many times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't, and we can talk about why. But if we get it, very often we ask right after that, is that all there is? Because that's not what we were really looking for. So what I'm looking at in this book is, what is the essence? What are we really looking for? Most of the time, we don't want a car. We want greater freedom, or we want a sense of joy, or we want you know peace in our life. Those are the, the things we're really looking for, hence the title, What You Really Want, Wants You. There you go. Now, um, so you, you said that uh, people don't get what they were looking for sometimes. Uh, you know, wh- why would that be? Well, you know, I think one of the reasons that I often question goal setting is because most of the times when we're setting a goal and we think we want something, we're focused more on what it is we don't have. Even though we may be saying things like says, I want, for example, right now in this economy, people might be saying, I want more money. What they're really feeling is, I don't have enough. And as I totally understand the law of attraction, it's based on the vibration that we're feeling, the feelings that we have, not necessarily the words that we say. So when somebody is saying, I want more money, but what they're feeling is, I don't have enough, what they're attracting in their life is not enough. Now, so if, what we get in life is what we focus on, basically. That, that makes some sense. Now, what uh, if, 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 for instance, I wanted more money, would I focus on prosperity or would I focus on gratitude for what I have? Well, the best thing to do is to focus on the gratitude for what you have, always. Gratitude is probably the highest vibration we can have. And when we have a true sense of appreciation for everything that is exactly as it is, we get more of it. I mean, I can see it happening in my life almost week by week. You know, there are times when I'm focused on something not working. Um, I I had a silly car accident about two weeks ago, Hmm. and I wanted to know five other things in my house broke down that same week. And I know it's because I was focusing on things breaking down. You know, and I'm I'm at a point in my life right now that things happen pretty spontaneously. And when I caught myself and stopped and said, oh, my gosh, just be grateful. I mean, I have the best insurance company in the world. They've been wonderful. It's been amazing. And when I started focusing on that, every other workman came around and, you know, I had a, a, a situation with uh, – something that happened in my electricity, and the company came back and said, oh, no, no, don't worry, we'll pay for that. I mean, it's been an amazing, as soon as I focused on being grateful, uh, life totally changed. You know, Tony, uh, we do this uh, show, Free Talk Live, and a lot of our listeners are very, very skeptical people. 
And I have to say that I consider myself skeptical as well, which is why when I first came across uh, the information about the law of attraction, I, I was a little bit, well... I guess skeptical would be the right word, toward it. Um, however, I've noticed it um, as I've become more understanding of it and applying the, these concepts to my life, I've, I've noticed that there really is, I, I believe, something to it. Uh, and I've kind of known it all along without really knowing what, uh, what it was, I guess. I've uh, noticed, the, uh, noticed about how uh, the, the, essentially what you focus on does grow. Uh, some, some, suggested, uh, some have suggested to focus back on what you were talking about earlier when you say well, you want something, the universe essentially says yes to whatever it is that you say or that whatever it is that you're feeling. So, uh, so if you're saying that you want more money, the universe gives you wanting more money instead of actually uh, I- increasing your wealth. Right on. And that's what most people don't get. When they first hear about the law of attraction, they, they get, I mean, for example, the movie The Secret that was out. There was a lot of buzz about that. And while I like the basic premise, what I feel like it just introduced people. And if you just stay with the introduction that, you know, you can think about something and suddenly it will show up. Yeah, I felt and like it was really fo- the secret. I uh, was certainly one of my first in- introductory uh, videos that I'd seen. And I felt as though it was really focusing on trinkets like uh, money and cars and, and stuff like that. And I, I feel like the law of attraction is, is much, much wider and much more important than that. You know, it's interesting because most people are focused on that level. So in order to introduce people, you have to say, okay, what's missing in your life and here's how you can get it. And so, you know, most, I mean, think about any sales is about what's the pain in somebody's life. And if somebody feels like they don't have the right relationship, they don't have the right money, they don't have the right jewelry or car, I mean, that's what they think they want. And that's the whole thing. We have a feeling that we think we want it. I mean, I just watched an incredible movie by Wayne Dyer, a new movie that's just come out called Ambition to Meaning, which is really the essence of what I'm talking about in this book, is that the first half of our life, we're really trying to get ahead. And I think it's natural. I've studied enough psychology to know, you know, that's really what we're geared for. We want to climb the ladder of success whether it's in a corporation or whether we're entrepreneurs and and we want to make a go of our life. And and those things are great until we get to a point where we say, wait a minute, is this really what my life is about? And we get laid off or something tragic happens in our life. And then we begin to ask, what is it that I really want in life? And you know something, it's an interesting thing that when you get clear on what you really want, the trinkets even show up, Yes, which is the really interesting piece. It's like when you stop focusing on those things, if you want them, more of those will even show up. And not everybody wants them, but we think we want that when we're younger. Um, you know, I'm at an age right now where I want to clean out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. clearing things and getting rid of things. Although the, the things that I want is I always want more love in my life. I always want more peace in our world. I always want more joy even. You know, I'm a joyful person and even more would be great. So the focus on those things, I mean, i give you an example. One of the things that happened to me a number of years ago is I started focusing on beauty and it was just very interesting because I love beautiful things. I like to see beautiful things. So I thought I would try it out, and for a whole year, I kind of focused on beauty, and I began to see it in more places, and about several months, maybe it was three months into the year, 
somebody called me over to, won't go through the whole story, but I went into her house to check out something. And when I walked in the house, I looked at her and I said, I want to buy your house. And I was kind of joking, but it was, there was a part of me that said, this is exactly the kind of house I would want if I were buying another house. And she looked at me and said, I'm going to be moving. If you're really serious, we can make this whole deal now. Hmm. Wow. And within three months, I bought her house and designed it and decorated it. And everyone who walks in the door of my home, first words out of their mouth is, oh, this is so beautiful. Is that the one on Philippi Creek there, Tony? Yes, it is. It is a beautiful house. She's not lying. <laughs> it's not. It's not huge. It's not. Nope. No, it's maybe no nobody else's dream. But there's something about the place that's just beautiful. And every day I look around me and say, "It's beautiful here." And because my focus, I never even went to a realtor. I never looked at other homes. I was in a very pretty place, but it was nowhere near as nice as this. Yeah, I just want to and jump back real quick, Tony, if, uh, if you don't mind, to you, what you'd said earlier about goals. And as somebody who is a goal setter, I, I, took, I took it a little personally. And, okay. uh, and, and I, I want to kind of, di- I guess, discern what you mean when you say goals. I mean, it sounded like when you were talking about goals, like you meant big stuff, like the, the trinkets we were talking about earlier, like getting a new car or getting a new job or th- stuff like that. And, uh, and I, when I'm setting goals, what I'm doing is I have my end in mind and I'm, I'm setting the steps that I need to take in order to get to the uh, and get get to that end, and I think there's real value in writing down the things that you need to do. Focusing on uh, your intention and what you want to create in your life is very important. But we all know that action is an important uh, part of this. You know the, the 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 idea of getting what you want. Uh, so I think that goals can really be helpful for people. So what did you mean when you said that goals were not really that yeah. great of an idea? that I have questioned for a long time in my life because there is a balance between what the success teachers tell us and what the spiritual teachers tell us. And I'm talking spiritual, not religion here. So success teachers all tell you exactly to do what you just said, write your goals, to put the steps down. But all the spiritual teachers say, live in the now, allow life to happen. And actually the impetus for writing the book was to try to come to a healthy balance between those two things. When do I make things happen and when do I allow them to happen? And what I've discovered is it really depends on two things. One, if it's something you want in the, what I would call the external world, you know, if you want, um, if you want a new job, for example, you don't just sit home and dream about it. You yeah. take action. Right. And so I agree with you. You write it down, you figure it out, and you go out after it. But if it's more of a quality that you're looking for, it's like the action doesn't do anything in that, that point. At that point, we need to take what I call inspired action. It's kind of like you don't just do things. I'm watching people right now frantically trying to make money, and they're making their making efforts and doing things that aren't working because their focus is, i got to make money. And what happens is they can make a plan and they're going to make 17 cold calls a day and it's just not working for them because they're not really allowing. And I, I teach people to stop and, and breathe and, and, like, take a look at what is it that you really want to contribute, for example, what is it that you want to express more of in your life? And when you do that, it's amazing when you're allowing yourself a space rather than a, a, a frantic doing, the 
action becomes more inspired. You'll get an idea to call somebody or you'll get, you know, you'll write a letter or you'll meet someone in the street and have a conversation. And sure enough, it'll be exactly what you're needing at the time. That makes perfectly good sense to me, Tony. I I can imagine, because I've been in that place where I need money, I need to make cold calls, I need to do it now, because money needs to come. And I've I've definitely been in that place, but I can totally see when when I'm in a place where, of confidence, where I know that my radio show, Free Talk Live, brings advertisers, uh, you know, clients, when I'm in that space, because I know it's true, I've watched it happen so many times, then I can communicate to that person on a level, maybe not in words that's any different than what I'm saying to somebody on a cold call, but on a level where I can get uh, across to them, look, don't worry about it. We're going to deliver the people, the clicks to your website or the the telephone calls or whatever it is that we need to deliver because that's what we do. Yeah, I'm going to say something because you just triggered something in me that I think Ian was just talking about. And, And that is that the law of attraction is really about your vibration and people pick things up. I mean, lately I've been thinking about something. I just bought a Kindle, you know, the um, electronic reader that From Amazon, Amazon is yeah. and I, I love to read. So I have this little thing now that has 200 books on. I can change and read any book I want at any time. But the way that it works is that you literally flip a switch, and it wirelessly connects you to Amazon.com. Hmm. You can type in the name of a book and... Press a little button, and it's downloaded onto your Kindle in, like, two and a half seconds. And so what I get, and I guess even radio, we we don't understand radio waves. We don't understand yet how this whole apparatus, at least I don't. I don't understand how this happens, but I know that there is something in the universe that is vibrational, that is connecting us. Well, isn't everything vibrational? I mean, even the things that we see that we consider solid uh, are actually vibrating at some level. They're, they're particles that are vibrating. Yeah, and quantum physics is teaching us that more and more every day. And it's like there is there is a vibrational. So it's the energy behind things, which is why, again, I'm talking about focusing on qualities rather than focusing on things. And the, the other thing with that is if you start to focus on I need a job or I want money, you might get the job or money, but you won't have what you really looking for at the moment because you limit yourself to a certain amount. Like, I think most of us limit even the amount of money we can make because we think this is what we deserve. And we used to tell a joke in ministry about three people come to you and ask you to pray for the perfect job, and you pray for all three people. The first one was making $10,000 a year, and they come back all excited because they got a job at $10,000 a year. The next one was making 50000 and they're all excited because they got it at 50000 and the last one at 150000 got that job. I mean, the same person was praying or thinking or however you want to think about that, and all three of them got what they believed they could have. And so if what we're believing we can have is a particular thing, that's all we'll get. But if we allow ourselves to focus on, you know, beauty, I I wasn't looking at buying a new home, but I was focusing on having more beauty in my life, and now I'm surrounded by beauty all the time. You know what I... what I like about this, Tony, I'm sorry, um, what, I, what I like about this is if I focus on gratitude, suppose it does nothing. Like from a skeptical standpoint, suppose it does nothing in my life. I still got the experience of being grateful for all the things that I have. 
Yeah, it's I mean, something that's really helped me. I mean, you know, when I came to your church, um, I was just utterly wounded by the, uh, the, the, the Christian religion. And I know you were a nun for some time, so you probably have a certain level of this experience, too. And I, you know, I just... It, it it showed me so much about what it was that I was looking for from a religion is and you know I I thanks for that Tony. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's you know it's like I, I guess that we could be living in either gratitude or complaint. I always tell people you have a choice. Which way do you want to live in gratitude or complaint? And complaint is I need, I want. This is this is not happening. And gratitude is appreciating what is. That's the same. That's the same thing. Kind of I was referring to about goals before allowing and making things happen. Sometimes I mean there are people who really know how to set a goal and they they see it happening and they know if they take the following steps it'll happen. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people who set goals and then go about trying to make something happen and they don't really believe it's going to or for whatever reason and then you know and then they give up and they are feeling like a failure and then they then they say the law doesn't work you know and the law is giving them exactly what they're thinking about which is, I can't do this, it's not going to work. Yeah. Tony, where can people get your book? You say it's being released on February 3rd, so where can they go if they want to learn more about this? Easiest place is www.reallywantsyou.com. That's reallywantsyou.com. And the book is called What You Really Want Wants You, and you are Dr. Tony Lamata. That's L-A-M-O-T-T-A. That's correct. Thank Mark, you, anything else we should co- cover here tonight? I, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a great book. I've got a copy here, and uh, mine happens to be uh, endorsed by uh, Dr. Tony Lamata, and I appreciate you um, calling in. Tony, did you want to share anything else while we have you? Uh, no, I think that that probably says it all, and I'm just very grateful. You know what? I love people who feel cynical at first because I tend to think of myself as a cynic, which is another way of saying I have a critical mind that knows how to think. And mm. so I appreciate that kind of person rather than someone who just falls into anything that comes along. Uh, hopefully that uh, the one thing I've been told about this book, it touches both your head and your heart. So I look forward to hearing from people when they get to read it. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. We're glad to, to have you on Free Talk Live. Yep. I found Tony Thanks. to be an inspirational per- person that helped to change my life, and uh, I w- would recommend anyone get this book. Have a great night. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Good night. <laughs> DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.